Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Uh, the Red Tops talk about uh, the third storm in a week pummeling Ireland. We got a bit of a blast from old Franklin and of course we had uh, two earlier in the week as well Dudley and Eunice and Ireland was last night bracing itself for the third storm in a week as it swept over and we're still getting a bit of a lick of the wind unfortunately of course as you heard in the news there there were deaths um, across uh, the country and God knows we had a, a, a deaths here on I was going to say on Leeside, but certainly in County Cork. This morning, the mirror talks of two dying on roads and weekend carnage. Uh, female passenger age 37. Uh, that's, that's up the country. She was uh, Stephanie Fitzpatrick from uh, County Clare. Uh, but here on Leeside, uh, the Echo and indeed the mirror this morning talk of a 19-year-old man dying in a road crash in the early hours of the morning down Belgooley. Um, described locally as a lovely, genuine fella. Single car collision uh, near Belgooley. In fact, the Mirror this morning uh, pick up on the story and they say that uh, he was Jack Cummins, a talented GA player, uh, the sole occupant in his own car. He was much, much loved. Apparently he was a past pupil of Kinsale Community School, sat as leaving cert last year. It's an awful shock, a terrible tragedy to his family. Uh, and to all that knew him. Uh, such a young man to die at such a young age. And then a rally driver uh, died yesterday after his car went off the road and overturned in an event. Uh, and that man, believed to be a County Cork man uh, in his 20s, was airlifted to the CUH after his vehicle flipped on the fourth stage in Castle Island. And he... Uh, he lost his life. It's very, very sad. The big chill, uh, they're talking about sweeping across the country after the third major storm. Um, I mean, I, I don't actually see it affecting us unless they're talking about later in the week. But the Independence front page this morning talks about snow and sub-zero temperatures following the tail of the unprecedented third major storm. We'll have to wait and see if they're, they're proved right. But the Echo this morning is a photograph of one of Cork's best-known landmarks that got a bit of a wallop from Storm Franklin. Uh, and it uh, damaged the cross on the top of the Church of the Ascension. It's tilting over to the side like the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I assume it's it's safe and at some stage uh, they're going to go up and uh, examine it and make sure that it um, can be corrected and put back in position. But it's a front pager making the echo today. It's stood there since 1962 and has withstood many storms. Uh, but not this one. But it didn't quite give up the ghost just yet. Uh, you know, maybe divine intervention. It just has tilted as opposed to falling over but there's a local ga um, club that makes this morning's echo as well Mayfield GAA they got a bit of a hammering as well from storms and winds numerous of their numerous netting poles crashed onto the juvenile floodlit pitch and their goalposts are damaged and stuff like that and it looks as if uh, GAA in Mayfield will have to stump up with 30,000 euro or at least try and find it to fix the damage. So that's a lot of weather-related stories for this morning. Uh, Benny McCabe, who always seems to accentuate the positive, even in the most difficult situations and circumstances, he always remains optimistic, positive, and he really does. And he says that COVID actually um, was probably good for the pub trade in one sense, in the sense that it's been the renaissance of the pub. He says lockdown was possibly the best thing that ever happened to the public house in a hundred years. He's opening yet another pub on Oliver Plunkett Street. He owns a load of pubs, Cork Heritage pubs all over the place. He says, pubs are not about alcohol anymore, he says. It's about society and a sense of belonging. And he's photographed on, I think, Carey's Lane with his, one of his latest additions there. Uh, looking fine, fit and well, Benny McCabe, and I send him regards. You know, sex for rent stories that Anne Murphy drilled into in the examiner there recently? Well, herself and Ryan O'Rourke have more of those stories on the front page today. Uh, one of them involves a 
woman who moved out of rented accommodation in Waterford City after her landlord told her uh, she could live there free in exchange for sex. Uh, this guy uh, is a right weirdo because he turned up at her workplace the following day. She moved out uh, when he told her that sex was to be part of the arrangement and she could forget about paying uh, the rent and uh, never mind about the deposit. Uh, she just moved up, but he tried several times to contact her by phone. The following day, he turned up at her workplace to try and find her. That's an interesting article. Uh, that uh, sex for work, sex for rent has not gone away. Headline, landlord came to the workplace after a sex for rent offer. Uh, meanwhile, of course, one of the other consequences of COVID is delays and uh, backlogs. And the examiner this morning says there's, there is alarm at the 20% drop in cancer surgery. So if there's a drop of 20% in actual surgeries, can you imagine what the actual drop is with regards to people wanting to be seen uh, and diagnosed? But things go from bad to worse, so much so that Willie O'Dea says he could well leave Fianna Fáil if things don't improve. I don't know whether he's just unhappy with everything or unhappy with uh, Micheál Martin. It seems to be he's firing a shot across the the bows of Fianna Fáil, declaring he'll quit the party. And one of the reasons, of course, is the uh, swinging new taxes. They aren't necessarily all imposed by government, although some of them are. Taxes on sugary drinks and taxes on increased taxes and excise on alcohol. Throw all that into the mix and then fuel costs and power increases and all sorts of consumer price increases because of inflation. And it's a very, very sad place to be at the moment with regards to the few euro in your pocket. Also disappointing, Dan Boyle tweeted overnight uh, that High Street Post Office on the corner of Capwell Road, just up at the top of Summerhill South, it's going to close for good. Another post office gone. Um, and the location actually is uh, is marked by the year on the building, 1926. Uh, and that area was part of a housing scheme built with money given by the British government as compensation for being bold to us for many, many years. Uh, but unfortunately, another, and that's a well-used post office. It really is. I've used it myself quite a bit in the past. And it's sad to see post office closing, isn't it? It really and truly is. That's another good one gone. You know, all the money that was spent on the new uniforms from Gardee, uh, it cost 20 million to roll out the new uniform. I have to say, I like them. They look Australian. They look kind of West Coast American. But they look very cash and very, very comfortable. But apparently, they're not the type of fashion style that a guard should wear if he or she is going into court. So guard of brass now, in spite of 20 million being spent on the uniforms, guard of brass have told all officers not to wear the new uniform going into court because they're too informal. Use the old old one instead. So you got to keep the old one back up in a wardrobe as opposed to in a filing cabinet for court appearances. I mean, mother of God, do you think they could have thought these things through before they designed, paid off and had 20 million euro worth of new uniform? I like the new uniform. I was they just let them get on with them. And of course, we have um, deliverance days for both us and the UK. For us, it's this day week when all sorts of the remaining COVID restrictions will be lifted. Um, the UK gets their announcement this morning with Boris Johnson saying that uh, he is going to announce the end of all remaining COVID coronavirus restrictions in England. It's a front page making the Times, but it doesn't give a date, but I'd imagine it probably will be this day week. Oh, actually, talk about the closing of a post office. The other story regarding uh, businesses that have been around for a long, long time is a good one in the mirror this morning where they say, and I'd love to know if they're right, actually. They say that Reggie's Barbershop in the Curra Camp is the oldest barbershop in Ireland. Now, um, I wonder if perhaps we could beat it or bait it, as we'd say on Leaside. Uh, the barbershop uh, opened in 1901 and they figure or they think that there's a good possibility that that barbershop caught Michael Collins' hair uh, back in 1922 before his death. 
Um, I don't know if they can prove it. I don't know whether they have a lock of the, of the big fella's hair or anything. But other famous customers include Christy Moore, apparently. So they figure that that one up in the curra that cut the hair of the, of the the army, British and indeed the Irish one, we got our own Free State Army, in 1901 is the oldest barbershop. Come on, let's see if we can beat that one. We can certainly beat Scotch whiskey in America. For the first time ever, apparently, Irish whiskey has outstripped Scotch for the first time since... Prohibition. So it took a hundred years to get the top spot Irish whiskey outselling Scotch whiskey, which can't be too bad. And if you want a healthy family and if you want healthy kids, you know, mentally and physically, then apparently one of the most important places to start that journey is at the dinner table, family meals, sitting down together and having dinner as a family. It's one of the basics, and it's very important, according to child nutritionists that make the start today. Way, way back in the day, a lot of people ate their dinner in the middle of the day. You'd even come home from school, particularly primary school, and you'd have the big dinner in the middle of the day, the, the five o'clock thing or the six o'clock thing or the seven o'clock thing. Well, seven o'clock didn't exist. Usually it's something smaller at six in the evening, but the big meals were in the middle of the day. But as families got busier and more people going out to work, of course, uh, sitting down for dinner took for, went for a bit of a burden. But the papers this morning say those kind of habits are important. And I love this one in the star that says, the latest research identifies the top 20 signs that you're turning into your parents. Now, I'm not going to go through the top 20, but some of them involve things like nodding off on the sofa, repeating the same jokes over and over again, and saving old boxes, usually tin boxes, because they might come in handy just in case. And of course, another sign that uh, you're turning into your parents is that you get a little bit older, maybe, I don't know, late 20s or 30s, you actually realise at that stage that your parents were right all along. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818 If you said Paul McCartney at the age of 80 playing Glastonbury, you'd be absolutely right. So fair play to you. He looks so fit. I mean, so does Ringo Starr. I don't know what it is with the two of them. How does he look so great at 80? Why, why wouldn't he, I suppose? But 80, he looks like a fellow who's in his mid-50s. He looks incredible. Or maybe it's all the yoga he does. Actually, McCartney is so into yoga now. My wife was telling me recently that Paul McCartney does a thing called eye yoga. Yoga specifically for the eyes. Check that one out. Anyway, at 80, he plays Glastonbury and becomes the oldest pop star to ever play it, in fairness to him. Now, can I just give you a selection of uh, emails that are received? And they are absolutely horrifying, some of them, what people had to go through. Here's one as an example for you. Hi, Neil. Just an email regarding the Ryanair flight out of Cork on Friday, right? We arrived at the airport at 1 p.m. for a departure scheduled at 20 to 3 in the afternoon. Remember that. The flight was to go at 20 to 3 in the afternoon. They arrived at 1 o'clock. There were lots of delays for morning flights due to weather. Remember now, this was uh, Friday morning with all of the storms and uh, problems with the wind. Uh, so some cancellations. So there were a lot of delays for morning flights due to the weather. But there didn't seem to be any issues with afternoon departures when we got there. All right, so they got there at 1 o'clock. The inbound flight from Liverpool landed at 2.05. So we went to sit at the gate. A separate flight was at the gate to Tenerife that had been delayed. Uh, This is Ryanair. They announced that the Tenerife flight was boarding and the Liverpool departure was delayed due to adverse weather conditions. We established afterwards that this was false and that the plane that we had been due to fly to Liverpool on had been given to the Tenerife flight without having a backup plane in place for us. We were told that there would be an update at 3 p.m., This did not happen, but I got a notification from the Ryanair app saying that we weren't now taking off until 10 past 6. 
There were no further updates provided over the intercoms until people started going up to the gate asking questions at around 6pm. A senior staff member arrived to deal with people asking questions. They handed us out rights on printout. Handed us our rights on printouts and said that meal vouchers would would come. It took 60 minutes before we saw any meal voucher. At this point, everywhere serving food was closed. It's just after six o'clock. Everywhere serving food was closed, and we were told that's the airport's problem. Nothing to do with Ryanair. The vouchers were for four euro, which didn't even cover two cups of tea. We were advised at that stage to order food into the airport. So we ordered a pizza. It had to be handed through security. Some people left the boarding lounge and went to the airport hotel to get something to eat. They were advised they'd be let back in. But the bar was kept open during the entire time, but not serving food. People had been there drinking since midday with no proper meal. We were guaranteed by a supervisor repeatedly that there was a flight leaving Gatwick at half past seven to come and pick us up and take us to Liverpool. Come half past seven, the departure board changed again to say we wouldn't be leaving till ten past nine. Staff did not have an explanation and weren't even aware of the change until we asked about it. Now, during this entire episode, there were multiple vulnerable passengers, including families with young kids, and an 81-year-old man who required med- med- uh, medication and had to request that his suitcase be brought up from the luggage hall to get his tablets. He was celiac and diabetic. He hadn't been able to eat a proper meal all day. He was advised that nothing could be done to make him more comfortable, despite the fact that there is an executive lounge in Cork Airport he could have been put in there. The bar closed and the people from there came to the departure gate. The airport police were monitoring the situation, but not actively actually doing anything. They choose, chose to give out to a woman, though, who had started a sing-song, despite the fact that there were no complaints about her from other passengers, and we were all just totally disillusioned at this point. There were two other delayed flights to London during this period, from about half nine to quarter to midnight. Passengers for those flights were told it was due to earlier delays. Both of those planes arrived, though, and took off just a little later than scheduled. Not our Ryanair flight. Airport staff were advised then to stop selling alcohol to passengers going to Liverpool, but this didn't apply equally. A woman who was sober was denied the sale of two bottles of wine, and a male passenger got a 70cl of vodka. At this point, the departure board had changed again to a time of 15 minutes past midnight. No staff were visible at midnight. You couldn't find anyone in the terminal to advise what was happening. They all just seemed to disappear. The Liverpool passengers were the only people left in the terminal at this point. The plane eventually arrived at 20 past midnight and took off at around 1 in the morning. Despite quite an amount of antisocial behaviour on the plane, Ryanair sold alcohol as part of the on-flight service. When we arrived at Liverpool Airport, it was completely empty, freezing with the cold. It was 2.15 in the morning. There were over 100 passengers all waiting for taxis at an empty taxi rank. We eventually arrived at our hotel at half past three in the morning. During the entire episode, we were repeatedly told over the intercoms that the delay was due to adverse weather conditions and later on, the arrival of the delayed inbound aircraft. This was despite staff confirming to us that the plane that we should have been on was given to the Tenerife flight. At one point, a member of staff started to give their superior's supervisor's mobile number to disgruntled passengers, which was of no use. A number of staff passengers asked staff what would happen to us if the flight never arrived, to which the answer was that Ryanair would never cancel a flight 
because it would mean having to accommodate us overnight. So, I mean, that was an absolute horror story. They arrived at the airport at one o'clock and eventually arrived in their hotel in Liverpool at half past three the next morning. There was another one. I was on the flight from Cork to London that was diverted to Edinburgh on Friday. It was horrific. Well, horrific doesn't describe it accurately. The aircraft ran out of sick bags, so they started giving out plastic bags. I had my four-year-old son with me, so I was trying to remain calm, but evidently couldn't. I was sick and asked for water. And when the air hostess gave me the water, she handed me the card reader machine. I was taken aback. I work in hospitality, and if someone had vomited, we wouldn't charge them for a bottle of water. I know it's a petty thing to complain about, but just in that moment, I thought human decency could have prevailed. Ryanair issued everyone with a certificate of confirmation to confirm the delay, but only said we were delayed three hours and seven minutes. Uh, I know the weather is out of Ryanair's control, uh, but they should have delayed the flight longer. London win a red warning until three in the afternoon. I'm flying home Tuesday. Ireland has a yellow weather warning, and I'm already very apprehensive about ever getting on a flight again. And there's another one or two on this, actually, which I'll come back to throughout the course of the morning. Just one for now, though, if you don't mind. We flew out of Cork Airport Saturday morning on an early departure, left home at four in the morning for the check-in. We had a light snack before leaving our house, and we said we can get something in the airport. But when we arrived at the airport, we were shocked that there was no food outlet open. The loop only had chocolates and crisps, not really food worthy of that hour. Even the chilled drinks were closed. At 5 a.m., the cafe, small cafe in the departure, opened, but was quickly overrun with passengers wanting to purchase some sort of food. W.H. Smith's, too, was overrun. They ran out of sandwiches, bars, teas, coffees. And the main restaurant didn't open at all, and by the looks of it, it isn't open, nor was the bar. Once we eventually boarded the plane, the Aer Lingus cabin crew were frantically trying to serve food and drinks to all. But they ran out very quickly, too, as everyone on the plane was in the same situation. People were getting irritated at Aer Lingus, but it wasn't the airline's fault. The fault lies with Cork Airport Management that there was no food, no catering open for early departures. For an airport to claim it is Ireland's fastest growing airport, it certainly has let down those travelling in the mornings. Management need to improve on catering for departures, not just the early morning. People often don't eat before getting to the airport, as normally there would be some sort of food available. COVID can't be used as an excuse in this instance. Hospitality sector outside the airport is fully reopened. Um, we must try as, as best we can to uh, fly to, from Cork rather than travelling to Shannon or Dublin. But if customer facilities don't improve at that airport, we'll have no choice but to travel from our home county to airports that have catering available for early departures, says Keith Brennan. I am assuming that at some point in the morning, I'm assuming, although I flew out of Cork Airport recently and it was still closed, um, you know, the big restaurant at Cork Airport, has that reopened at all or is it still completely closed? Um, Pat might be able to shed some light on that. Pat, good morning. Neil, good morning. How are you, Pat? That big um, restaurant at Cork Airport, upstairs, is it open or closed? No, closed, Neil. All is open would be the bar or WH Smith's. Why? Why is it closed? Because passenger numbers are down at the moment with the exception of those people who are going to Liverpool on Friday night. Neil, that flight but landed... That, but there are still people going on flights, so even as But it should be open. Of course it should be open, Neil. Even the coffee dock across, Neil, is closed as well. 
So you I, can't get a breakfast or a hot meal or sit down with sandwiches? No, Neil, I haven't flown in the morning. I've flown, say, afternoon, OK? But I can tell you, no, Neil, two things here for the truth, and I hope everybody's listening, right? Every passenger on that flight on Friday evening now has got to claim EU261 rules. They can claim for their expenses, they'll get 250 euros each, and meals to give someone four euros to wait for a 12 hour flight is a disgrace what that should they have been? what should they have? there's no good they can't spend it anywhere anyway but, but Neil, we know that that's four euros right and thankfully that flight came in last night because you, you're probably aware up to about six o'clock last night all flights come into Cork with the exception of Heathrow went to Dublin no that flight landed on Friday at seven minutes past two I can know the steps of our aircraft and to my left was the captain and his officer that, you were coming back from Liverpool then yeah, I just saw for one night just to see somebody. Okay. And when I came through to come through these, uh, the, gate, the, the, the lower gate to go upstairs to get out to the customs, to my right I could see a cabin crew. And I said, uh-oh, something is wrong here. And I knew at that stage that flight was not going back to Liverpool. Because the lady on the flight said to me, she's going to miss her holiday, the hostess, because they have to stay in Cork for up to 10 hours. Now, you that is from the cabin crew. Oh, so the cabin crew that were supposed to go back to Liverpool knew they'd be in Cork for 10 hours. Correct. Why then didn't they tell the passengers that? Because they don't tell a man thing, Neil. Ryanair does not tell him anything. I have an issue with Ryanair now, and people are listening to me right now. Be very, very careful. When you go through security, you have to have a valid boarding pass. Do you agree? Yeah. When you go up to the, to the check-in desk or to the departure, they say, sorry, you're not checked in. I said, I have to be checked in. She said, you're not? I said, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't checked in. She grabbed my card, put it through the machine. She said, 55 pounds or you can't travel. I said, that's fine, girl. I took her up right there. They said, sorry, you aren't checked in. Now, I've sent him on my boarding pass and everything. This is happening to about one in every... But you did check in online, though, did you? Neil, 100%. Right, I have okay. the app on my phone. I can show you my boarding card if you want it, bye. I got onto security. They said it's impossible for anybody to go through an airport unless they got a valid boarding pass. Ryanair said to me, I did not have a valid boarding pass. I did. But surely you had the QR code on your phone, did you not? Absolutely everything, Neil. Saying the name of the flight and the number of the flight and Absolutely, the time. Absolutely, yeah. Manchester to Cork, exactly new. All right. Um, okay. Well, good luck with that fight. I hope you get your fifty-five bucks I back. Will. But, but why? So, do they often do that and say, uh, "We'll take that flight from Liverpool and we'll send it to Tenerife instead"? It's happened a few times. Neil, I've seen it happen a few times. And like those people were out there, as you said, since midday for a fourteen forty departure. I knew coming down the steps of that aircraft. When I saw the captain to my left, waiting sure. to go onto the plane, and the officer, and then to my right, as you go through the steps to go up to go through your, your um, security customs, there was a cabin crew waiting on that flight. So people who arrived at the airport on Friday at one o'clock in the morning, got, yeah. eventually got into their Liverpool hotel, sorry, one o'clock lunchtime, eventually mm-hmm. got into their hotel at half past three in the morning the following that day. That's correct. Because it's not in Liverpool, even that plane landed at 2, two a.m. in the morning in Liverpool. And, and apparently, a lot of people had way too much to drink because they were drinking all day. Neil, I've been on the flight now recently and I'm not condemning anybody here on the phone, right? The no, I'm not either, apart from the fact that this chap who said there was anti-security... Neil, somebody in Cork Airport needs to stop setting people 12 and 13 points. <sighs> they have to stop. Yeah. Resp- like, well, it's not about people drinking at the airport, but that's okay. When, when, when they get on the Why, does he have a problem with that, does he? He had a problem with last year, Neil. 
Yeah, that people in airports are drinking too much, but you, you but you can drink on the flight, but you can't drink at the airport. Yeah. Have a pint or two, Neil. But this guy had twelve pints next to me, and I said to myself, "Mother of God," says I. Neverland. Yeah, twelve yeah. points. There was sure. a stag. That's that. They're entitled. Neil, I didn't even sell by. Didn't have twelve points at an airport, but he twelve points. And, and people, it, it, people love a few pints at the airport, and they're entitled to a few pints. That's fine, Neil. But you know, with a feet up in the air, Neil, and, and then you said you're going to have two double vodkas and coke. Why like okay, so there's a lot going on with Cork Airport saying they're going to pass two million this year, or is it next year? Certainly they're going to... Well, every the, the single guy. passenger on that flight has now got to fill out the E261 form on the Ryanair website. They'll each get back 250 euros into their credit card. They're not to accept right. it as a voucher. Okay, all right. It just seems extraordinary to me that the main restaurant in the airport is closed. It is closed, Neil. And they need to address that immediately. The fact that there aren't as many passengers is irrelevant. There still are passengers, and they deserve the service that they paid for as taxpayers. Open the restaurant. Let people... Okay, reduce the menu, but at least open it and, and, and give people some kind of offering. It can't, be have, it can't be hard to have reduced staff and a reduced menu. It's not open, Neil, and the coffee dock across the way is not open. All you have open, it will be WH Smith's, and you have the restaurant there, bar. But remember one thing, you can go up now and buy a bottle of vodka in Cork Airport for 14 or 15 euros. What's, some, what's stopping someone putting chewers into the machine and getting out two bottles of Coke? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. All right, but Pat. But like Neil, okay. every passenger on that flight on Friday night, EU261, log on, tell them what happened, flight delayed for over three hours, click on, they'll each get back 250 euros each. All right, pal. Thanks for the tip. Back after the break. Thanks, Neil. Bye-bye. Other types of flying-related matters after the break. This is a guy who's turned into uh, an absolute superhero. Uh, apparently, he's been doing this for a long, long time. His name is Jerry Dyer, right? And he... Um, has a YouTube channel and I guess he's got all sorts of different social media uh, feeds where he literally plane spots and watches planes landing and commentates on them. He just went through the roof over the weekend with the storms and the planes coming in at Heathrow. More on that after these. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Okay, so keep sharing your stories. Text 086-8104-106. I started watching this guy Friday afternoon, Jerry Dyer. I'm joined in studio by Mark Willington. Uh, he had 6.7 million views on YouTube of his commentaries of planes attempting to land and I got totally hooked on his commentary. I went back again Saturday and again in the afternoon. Yes, he did Storm Franklin yesterday, didn't he, as I, well? I, I, he was there. I, I, was, I was busy watching curling <laughs> yesterday, actually, the curling fight. Same, same. <laughs> well done to the Team GB, the women anyway, who won. Men came... Oh, sorry, the women won and the men got what? Silver? Silver. Okay. Yeah. But back to Jerry Dyer. <laughs> who, who is this guy? So, well, he, he's the son of an airline captain from, from Sussex. And, I mean, he, you'd think from watching his commentary on these landings that he was a pilot himself, or he, certainly a big aviation enthusiast. Uh, but no, he, he's um, he, he's worked in the London Stock Exchange and run a mountain bike and motocross magazine, and now he's turned his hand to a, a YouTube channel called Big Jet TV, and he goes around and films, well, live streams plane landings. And on Friday, it just went insane because because the rest of the time, no disrespect to plane spotters, but it must be quite boring. Like, well, but it wasn't with the storm. Well, I suppose if the pilots are doing their job well, yeah, it's just it's, it's just landing, landing, just landing. landing. Yeah, yeah the but, next. But I mean, it was compelling viewing. It really was on Friday afternoon. And uh, like you say, 6.7 million views on YouTube. Go on, my son. Go on. You're not going to do that. No way. Go on then, my son. All right, mate. Do it. Well, have a listen. Have a listen to this. Yeah. This is where the skill of the pilot really comes in. Earning their salary. Easy. Nope. He's done like that. He's gone round. Oh, I want 
should be, I've got to be honest with you. Oh, Bosch! Get it down, mate! Yeah! I wish that I could fly into the sky so very high. That's the, uh, that's the pilot manipulating the thrust, keeping the speed up, keeping the aircraft in the direction. There's a lot of work going on inside that cockpit. Oh, fair play to this pilot. Oh, easy, son. Easy, easy. Sure. Are you sure? Go on then, go on then. Yeah, nicely done. Wow, man, that was nuts. Easy, 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 easy. Go on, son. Oh, okay, tippy toe. <laughs> Is it too cold? Yeah, big swing, man. All the fun of the fair. Oh, Jenny, we've got an A380. Oh, folks, get sharing. Share it now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the biggest uh, commercial passenger aircraft in the world. But uh, he's just about to approach us now, the Qatar A380. The, um, yeah, he went around just now, and if he goes around three times, he's got to divert somewhere. So we've had diversions. He's going to get it this time. Come on, son. You can do it. And that A380, the third attempt, it failed. It didn't land, so I had to leg it somewhere else, right? And I didn't know this. You get three goes at landing somewhere, and if you don't make it, then <laughs> you, you've, you've got to go to some other airport. Is he filming with his mobile phone on a stick or something? That's what I thought. But then I saw him on channel because he was doing the media rounds the on media Friday. The media was shouting at the, at the face <laughs> of him. <laughs> Jerry, Channel 4 News! And I saw him, I think it was Channel 5 News on Friday evening. And it, he's got a branded van that he stands on top of with a little tripod and a camera. Is, he a, frust- is he a frustrated pilot or what? I think he was. I think yeah, he must be, yeah. But I mean, his setup looked pretty decent. It was good. But just going back easy, to that guitar, that easy, guitar flight Roy, there. <laughs> that, the guitar flight was the, was the big talking boy. In fact, my WhatsApp groups were going mad on Friday afternoon because <laughs> so everybody was watching it. And uh, my oh, mate no. Steve put a message in there. He said, my landlord has just popped around um, uh, and he saw that I was watching the, the, the plane's landing. He said, oh, did the guitar flight like make it on the far third <laughs> It's like a soap opera yeah, episode, isn't it? Everyone knew what was going on. <laughs> like, and there was the memes going around of people watching it in pubs on the big screen. <laughs> but I have to ask you, very seriously, he does, everybody wants the plan, planes to land safely. Oh God, yeah. Don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I don't know, it's that nervous energy, isn't it? And, but also, it's it's the skill of the pilots and recognising the skill of the pilots because they come in, when there's those, the crosswinds like the there was on Friday. are all over the place. But they come in sideways. I think they call it crabbing. And he's, they're coming in sideways and they turn to face the runway at the last second and it's just an incredible feat of Their piloting. hearts must be pounding the oh, pilot. God, I mean, I don't envy that. I mean, jeez. Unbelievable. <laughs> and I don't oh. mind a bit of turbulence, but oh, no thanks. Okay, there's another clip. What's this one? Oh, so this is, so obviously it went a bit crazy for him. As you say, Channel 4 News turned up at the fence, started shouting. He was on Channel 5, he was on BBC Radio 2 uh, and also a little bit further afield as well. 
This is CNN. It hasn't gone unnoticed by some very enthusiastic plane spotters at London's largest airport. Jerry Dyer runs a YouTube channel that's called Big Jet TV. And basically, Jerry went viral in the last few hours today. He's seen hundreds of thousands of people tune in to his live stream with his very dramatic commentary. Has to be said, sometimes very funny commentary and it's easy to see why i kind of watched that live stream for like two straight hours it was very entertaining you should be hired as a sports she's, commentator she's this guy's quite fantastic. depressed doesn't she <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have a whole lot of excitement going on maybe that's the cnn way I don't they know. just own it <laughs> yeah so is it too late for people to pick up on that old footage later on tonight and sit down and watch no the no the, um, the the whole stream from friday is um because that's where i grabbed from the audio yeah, but we, well you got some of the best stuff yeah. you couldn't sit through all of that no but I mean, if you watch that, I think the middle bit is where the the, the, the the three Qatar A380 attempts and there was an, an Air Portugal that went round and then that was, you know, you heard him in there go, bosh, that was the Air Portugal slamming into the <laughs> So if you, if, you, if you pick the middle middle hour of the stream, you, it's you've be got entertainment. It's going to be bigger than Formula One as a sport, that, isn't it? Well, it's funny you should say that and she the, the CNN um, news anchor there mentioned about him commentating on sports. Well, apparently... NASA have been in touch with him <laughs> over commentating on a rocket launch in Florida. They want, <laughs> they want him to do the countdown. Do the countdown and I suppose do the commentary as it's going up into, Go on, the, my into son. orbit. Lift her up, my son. <laughs> Do you ever have any kind of really bad flight experience? Because you flew a lot back and forth. Yeah, and we the used UK. to back, back well pre-COVID days. I used to to fly to Cork about once a fortnight, and um, so there was plenty of storms there. Storm Freya was my worst storm it's a bit, it was March 2019 um, Storm Freya yeah. how bad was that I can't recall well it was um, I, looked, I had to look up the wind speed yesterday and it, the, the gusts were about 77 miles an hour so it's over 100 kilometres an hour in our money um and it was a cork to Luton flight, and um, and I don't mind a bit of uh, a bit of turbulence and that, but th- this was on the edge for even me. As in, I, like as in the wings are going to snap. It was yeah. You look out the window and they're really flexing as you as it, you know almost like they're, they're flapping like a bird. Wow. And um, and I was in the window seat and I had a um, uh, there was a girl from Cork next to me who was flying back. She was living in London. I can't remember her name. Um, and she was she was in a pretty bad way over it. And I ended she, up having like, to. She was upset. She was she was in a uh, in a yeah. She was she was. A nervous flyer anyway, and this this put her over the edge of the, the, the poor girl. And I ended up, for the approach into Luton, which was bad, I ended up just, just talking to her and just saying, oh, so where are you going in London? Oh, you know, oh, you live there? Oh, we're from Cork. And she, it did. And we just, I just held her in conversation for literally the, the three, four minutes. Ah, uh, we the going. poor thing. And to be fair, I was quite glad of the conversation <laughs> as well because it took my mind off the awful approach that we were having uh, although I have to say it's not the worst experience I had on a plane because I've been on a plane that's broken mid-flight and that what do you mean back. broken stopped um, working stopped working in that we were we, we the just, engines we, stopped thankfully not we'd just taken off from Faro in Portugal this was back in the late 90s I was only a child and um, and the cat and we would circling around not really going anywhere after taking off and then the captain came on and said oh and we've got a problem the um we've lost all our hydraulic fluids and the uh and we're gonna have to go back and and faro but it's only then you think oh god at the time i didn't know what hydraulic fluid meant but that that's your landing gear and your hydraulics and all that sort of stuff so we did we had to to circle around well we had to circle around and burn fuel then we had to land and we was and luckily we lost the fluid with the landing gear locked down, oh, so it was all right. But we we landed on the on the runway, 
had no steering, had to wait for a tug to come and drag the plane back and then had an eight-hour delay while they fixed the broken plane and we flew back on the same plane. Okay, I know, and, and I'm sure they did a good job. In it. Could you imagine if they lost the hydraulic fuel when the, when the, when the, after they got the, the wheels up? Yeah, I, I assumed that that, that landing into foam. got big problems. Yeah. Christ. And we had fire, when we did finally land at Gatwick late that evening, there was fire engines waiting as well. Oh man, that's hair raising stuff. Yeah. All right, well done. Listen, thanks for all of that. Jerry Dyer, um, we'll have to watch what he does next. Maybe the next storm that comes around, he'll be back in action. Mm-hmm. He's probably there every weekend though, yeah, isn't he? Well, I was going to say there won't be long to wait. Apparently, we've got a, uh, a, a load of storms coming. I think it's um, well, it Franklin at the moment, and then Gladys is next. Gladys? Yes. She doesn't sound... She sounds quite tame. Yeah, she, yeah, she sounds quite meek, doesn't she? Gladys is kind of fine. somebody who'd totter off and get you a cup of tea kind of a name, isn't it? <laughs> Let's hope so. No disrespects <laughs> to Gladys's. Anyway, cheers, Mark. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. All right. 104 to 106 Red FM. Actually, just staying with the plane related stories there's another one because uh, they're expecting a huge post-covid travel rush now with people trying to get on planes and of course australia is opening up i think people are still kind of staying away from western australia but it's a big day today with uh, people heading to and from australia for the first time to see family and babies that were born and grown up and walking since but apparently british airways now are asking pilots if they'd like to become flight attendants you know to kind of double up because they're short of staff they need to find four thousand cabin crew apparently ahead of the summer there's a frenzy now trying to hire staff for british airways so they've invited captains and pilots to undergo six weeks training including how to learn to serve drinks and how to do the emergency thing, pointing out the exits and the seat belts and the safety belts and stuff like that. I don't know how it will go down with the pilots. Um, they still get to keep their salary and they earn big money, apparently, over 100000 Um But um, apparently the problem they're having also is that they need to fly once every 90 days to keep their, their, um, their license. But that's another story. So they're asking them if they want to do a six-week course where they can pick up the slack as flight attendants. Um, clearly not as the plane is flying, I suppose, pre-flight uh, and uh, upon landing and things like that. You don't have to go too far though if you'd like a break. Big response to this because we posted it online over the weekend. We have five holidays to give away. Self-catering holidays to give away for frontline workers. Um, Trabogan are giving away a lot online as well. But they've kindly given me five of them. They are free three-night self-catering weekend breaks. It's the weekend of April 1st for frontline workers and their families. And when I say frontline workers, I'm not only talking about people working within healthcare. All right, I'm talking about people who worked on the front line and worked all the way through COVID. Like as an example of that, you would include everybody that worked delivering post, everybody that worked in supermarkets, pharmacies that were open, things like that, you know, home helps and, and carers. So it's in recognition and a thank you to frontline workers for all their hard work over the last couple of years. So we've got those to give away. You can share your story of who you think deserves this three night self-catering weekend break for themselves and their family. Um, on April 1st for that weekend of April 1st by getting in touch with me by email to neil at redfm.ie and hopefully we'll get calls and emails on the air um, in the coming days, in the coming week um, because I want to hear those stories and I want you to share them. But just quickly, this side of um, of 10 o'clock, um, things are picking up and more and more people are getting back to the old world that we lived in, including making movies. And I want to do this now because if things carry on, I'll just lose it and I'll run out of time and the, the week will be gone. So Steve, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? They tell me, man, that you're making a horror movie in Cork. Is that right? We are. We're making a, a horror comedy in um, the summer months. Hopefully, we have to wait till 
post leaving search because two of our cast are doing their leaving search. So we're, uh, how, how can we're it waiting. be? How can it be? Uh, explain a horror comedy. It would be one or the other, would it not? No, if you think of like films along the lines of like Fright Night, or if it, you know TV shows, even like uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, things like that, where there's a lot of comedy to it. But there's, actually, you're you right. Know, Wasn't there a comedy version of Frankenstein made years ago as well? There was. There was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what, a couple what, of them. What? What? Give us, to. give us an idea of the plot of a hell of a difference. Give us an idea. Basically, what it is is it's about four teenagers who bored one Halloween and it summoned a demon. Um, but the demon turns out to be more of a fledgling demon who needs to do some evil within a week or he won't get to become a full demon. Ah, so it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, a scary comedy version of A Wonderful Life. It is almost a, a reverse of A Wonderful Life in, in a sense. In that um, it's more, instead of the angel, it's more the demon. And have you got and the cast all organised and everything? We, we have 90% of the cast there, yeah. We have um, the wonderful Mark Atkin, who was uh, Richard Armitage's stunt double and body double in the Hobbit films. Wow, really? Well done. He's going to play the demon. And then we have four wonderful young actors from Cork. Um, Gillian Roberts and O'Connor Neil Kremen and Michael Keane who are going to play the four teenagers Okay, so they have a lot of time on their hands bit bored, summon up a demon just for a bit of crack Where are you going to film it? Um, We have a couple of locations we've planned, there's a couple of different stools in that that we need to film in that we've been in touch with so we just have to to wait for that um, come through and then uh, we have a couple of other locations around the city and county that we might use um, as well. Probably down the the marina we've used once or twice. Some offices down there, they're very good to us usually for filming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and will you so, do it over what kind of period of time in the summer? How long would it take? Um, for us, we'll probably do it in between seven to nine days. Fair play. Is there much equipment involved in that then, making a film like that? There would be, there would be. In terms of we have, like, we run our own production company, so we have a lot of it ourselves. But for something like this, we need to bring more equipment um, and more more crew in terms of people to do the, the demons, you know, latex, prosthetics and things like that. Fantastic. Uh, have you done this before as a director? You're di- are you director, uh, Steve? Myself and Emmett are both directing it together. Yeah, we both wrote it. Um, yeah, we, we did two feature films during lockdown. Um where, can, uh, where, where, where were they? Were they shown? Um, one of them is just finished and ready to go. It's a feature comedy, and the other one is a, is a horror film as well, um, and that is being scored at the moment. So, so Deep Red Productions has done this in the past and is doing so across oh. the summer with this uh, a hell of a difference. Where would it be shown then? How long will it be? I mean, is it an hour, an hour and a half? What? No, I mean the the script at its current length is ninety four pages, so it's usually you say a minute a page, so it's about ninety four minutes gotcha. at the moment. All right, and will it be screened on television, or will it go directly online, oh. or what? Well, we're hoping we're hoping that we go to some of the the film festivals around the world first. Fair play to you. Uh, we're talking to a few different distributors, so. We'll see once uh, we get them on board. They can usually have a plan. But are you looking then for investors to come on board and get involved? We are because of the extra cost that's going to be for the extra equipment and uh, crew and the cast as well. And, you know, catering, location, everything. It kind of adds up quickly. 
even though we fill them as quickly to keep the cost low. And I think um, I think that's tax deductible, isn't it? It it is, yeah, to fill them to fill them in Ireland if they invest into a movie. Um, so we're looking for them. We're not looking for mega money. We don't need ferocious amounts of money to make this. Because, like I said, we have a lot of the stuff ourselves anyway. Yeah, I was looking at the breakdown. Uh, you're looking for you're looking for five or ten thousand kind of thing. More, eighteen, twenty, maybe. Well, yeah, I suppose eighteen thousand would be the ideal budget to make the whole thing. Um, so we're looking for some investors that way. We're running our crowdfunding campaign, which you know, if people look for a hell of a difference on Facebook or Instagram, they can find us there and see those details. Or deep red productions as well. They can find it there. Yeah, and we have some nice rewards. And have you got any? Have you got any fund? Have you got any funding though? Uh, not at the minute. We're just finishing out our application. The deadline for Screen Ireland is the twenty fifth of February. So uh, yeah. I hope that works out for you. So, yeah. So we're uh, we're sending that off to them as well. So, and like we said, we're um, any funding we get just goes into making the film because we these with these talented actors and Gork and it's it's a shame they, they're not being showcased. Cause, yeah, I know no, what I you're saying. There's some great new talent in there, I see, and also the great Kieran Birmingham's on board. We know of him yeah, from Game of Thrones, Young Offender, stuff like that, on the stage yeah. on Panto for years. Great guy. So you really have, yeah, lovely. You really have a great cast. Yeah. So if anybody wants to get involved or be part of the, uh, the funding request, how can they do so? Um, again, if they go to the Facebook page, they can go to Deep Red Productions Facebook or they can go to A Hell of a Difference on Facebook and they'll get uh, links there to the to the funding. And obviously, if anybody wants to get in touch with us, they can do so just by emailing info at deepred.ie. Well, listen, very best to look for it. As soon as you start filming, I'd love to get somebody down there with a microphone just to record some bits and pieces, just to be, uh, be part of it. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? Is that okay with you? That is perfectly fine with us. Yeah. Okay. If you're, looking for anybody, if you're looking for anybody to haunt a house, I'll send down Seamus Wheelan, not a bother in the world, <laughs> free of charge. All right? We might, we might take you up on that. All right, kid. Talk soon. Take care, Steve. Right, Cheers, Thank my you. man. Good luck with that. A hell of a difference. Summon up a scare you'll never forget on Side. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show You've got to wonder with all of the wind warnings of course and the different storms coming in and one stage, you know, red alert and then a yellow alert where the people just decided not to bother flying but people did travel and they did go and some were on a London flight uh, that was diverted to uh, uh, to Edinburgh that's my understanding I'm sorry, Cork to London that ended up in, in Edinburgh Kira, good morning Good morning, Neil. How are you? That was it. It was you were going. You thought from Cork to London, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Cork to London Gatwick. Yeah, um, and it left Cork. It was delayed first, and then it left. And, and what was it, it like at Cork Airport on on Friday? Was it very windy? It, uh, my husband, my husband was actually on the flight with my three adults. Oh right, so it wasn't okay. myself it wasn't at yourself, all. right? So Seamus, no, what no. did he say? What it was like up there? He said it was windy. It was, but, you know, they kind of, they, like, it wasn't as bad as what they thought it was originally meant to have been. Okay. They didn't experience the, I suppose, the high winds as such that they thought. Okay. Um, so then they took off and, yeah, the rest was just, it was, they were in the air for hours then. Um, Why were they in the air for, were they circling then over? It was circling over London, at London Gatwick, and it made, they said two attempts, but Seamus himself reckoned that it was three attempts. Right. 
um, that they would have made because he said they went down at one stage and they just seemed to go back up into the clouds very fast. Right. And how were the passengers for all of this? Were they calm enough? He's no. He said they were. He said lots of people were very upset small children um, I think the attempts at, from what I gather now um, I think the attempts of the landing that people were starting to get sick with that and the plane he said it was like a roller coaster yeah. Um, yeah. James would be very calm and kind of you know he wouldn't be I suppose drama say if it was me you might have got more dramatics in the sense of I'd be maybe slightly yeah. more dramatic about I things know, I know, I know. Um, but people did so get said, sick with all of the turbulence and the oh, up and he down said yes he said it was it was very bad it was up and down like a roller coaster and he said there was a lot of people getting sick but he said that was more up the front end of the plane from where they were down the back end um, and they eventually ran out of actually sick bags they did and, but um, they were left on the they were left on the plane for nearly eight hours in total. In the um, in the air or on the on the ground? Uh, in between in the air and on the ground. They never got off the plane until they actually relanded back in um Gatwick when they eventually got back to London. So they um, stayed in the plane in Edinburgh? Yeah, they waited. weren't left off the plane. They, yeah. Anyone that wanted, they were basically told when they landed in Edinburgh that if anyone wanted to get off to make their way to London, but they had to make their own way to London. I can understand why there were problems in London. I mean, we saw Jerry Dyer's footage. And yeah. also yeah. the side of the O2, the old Millennium Dome got ripped off. Yes, yeah. Now, Seamus said that the pilot said that he had to find somewhere to land, that places were running out at different airports. Because I would, I said to him, would you not have gone to Birmingham or Manchester or somewhere like that? You know, that Edinburgh seems extremely far away. A long way, way off, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said that basically the pilot said that that was, um, the places were running out at different airports. Oh, well, the pilot knows what land. he or she is doing. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, so that. it was out of his control at that stage, yeah. God, and were they going, were they going when, over for a social weekend, was it, or a match or something? Uh, no, the boys are actually on the Irish Amateur Wrestling Association team. So they were representing Ireland at the English Open. So you can imagine being stuck on a plane eight hours. And they didn't miss the competition or anything, no? No, they made the competition. They did make the competition, yeah. But like Friday wasn't a day for prep. You could say basically with the with the flight being it on a, a flight for eight yeah. hours. Now they got to um, three of the boys got to fight for bronze medal. Now they didn't win the bronze medal fights, but they got into the bronze into the medal fights. But yeah, give do the they wrestle for Ireland? Yes, yeah. Wow, yeah, isn't yeah. that some achievement? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's great, and considering that there hasn't been competitions for over two years and things like that, so it's been a... Uh, yeah, well, fair play to them, and also there's a lot of dedication due to parents as well, so well done you. Ah, yeah, yeah, sure, the rest for knee to grasshopper kind of training all the yeah. time their dad trains, yeah. and yeah. they kind of did their own gym here then at home because of the pandemic and not being able to get to, to gyms and things it, like yeah. that. They needed to stay with their routine, so adapted. You know, also people yeah. were critical that when people were getting sick, um, they were asking for water and Ryanair were charging them for they the bottles would, of yeah, water. Do you charging. think that with all of their money they could say, look, this is exceptional, here's the water? Yeah. Now, my lads did say, the younger lads, um, say one of them, now he's 24, and he said, well, he said the air hostesses were only doing their job that they had to have, if they gave money, it, it's like a shopkeeper, you give something out, you have to have the money back in or whatever. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah. They don't, but he yeah. said, like, yeah, they should have a contingency plan in place for emergencies like that, that they should have back up that they can say look you give the water give the tea give the coffee you know yes um, did anybody just decide to stay in Edinburgh because they hear it's a beautiful city no um, I think there was I think from what I gather now the number could be wrong but I think there was about eight or nine passengers got off in Edinburgh just, um, had, just had enough of the wind I suppose and yeah, they, they, yeah. I think it probably would turn you off travelling. I'd imagine if you were on that plane, it wasn't the nicest experience. I think yeah, it was a, I know, I a know, horrendous I know. experience. Any, and then, 
Yeah, Even the, when the boys got, were getting off the plane, they said the smell of sick was just horrendous. And what it about coming awful. back? Yeah, it must have been awful. What about yeah, coming back? Yeah. They fly back into uh, Dublin, was it? They, they, yeah, they were supposed to come back into Cork, so they were leaving London Gatwick. They were meant to leave at 5 to 12 yesterday morning. Um, I'm not sure the exact time that they left, but they got into Dublin for about 4 o'clock, I think. Um, they were diverted to Dublin at 4 o'clock. Um, when they were leaving the flight then, they were given a four pound or four euro um, voucher for whatever they wanted to get. Um, <laughs> you get for four euros? Yeah, euro. it's like for four euros, yeah. And plus it's only one cafe that would actually take it. Um, Do you so get a coffee or a tea? Like, you, you wouldn't they get... They just threw it away because they said people were just queuing up and it was just at that stage they just wanted to get home. They didn't want to be queuing for tea. I know, but why is it four you know? euro? Like, if I had a four euro and you had a four euro, does that mean that if you gave it to me, I'd have eight euro? Or is it only one per passenger? I'd imagine you could probably use the two together, but... Like, you know, eight euros yeah. still, you know what I mean? What's it going to get you? You know, four euros, like, no, it doesn't, it doesn't get you anything realistically. You might, you might just get about a get a pre-packed sandwich, just about. Yeah, yeah, but that has to be in a certain rest, a certain cafe, so it's not for use in the whole airport or anything either four in Dublin euro. Airport. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It should be 10 yeah. to 15 yeah. euro, really. Yeah. They've got but even when the passengers were on the plane for eight hours, they got nothing, absolutely nothing. They didn't even get a voucher for disembarking the, the flight in Gatwick when they eventually got to their destination. So the people that were getting sick needed water, obviously, because they were so sick. And they had to pay for that. They were after getting sick and having to get cards out to pay for that. I'd say they were happy to be home, were they, eventually? Uh, yeah, I think they were last night, no, was, uh, they got in the door just before 10 o'clock because they got back to the airport uh, at 9 o'clock. Fair and play yeah, to them. They the weary travellers return. All right. Yeah, okay. they just said the travel was just, it was the worst you couldn't obviously the weather had a lot to play with it but in the terms of how people were treated it wasn't great okay yeah. thanks for that care appreciate it there's a story this morning the independent are talking about those people that were bussed from cork to dublin airport due to storm franklin's flight cancellations and complained obviously passengers were complaining because they were left stranded without food or drink for hours all of them bussed cork to dublin Flights cancelled, as I say. Uh, five flights were diverted from Cork to Dublin on Sunday afternoon because of uh, high winds. But airlines arranged buses then for hundreds of other passengers from Cork Airport to Dublin. But there was chaos, they said, because they weren't provided with food during the delays. The fellow called Declan Harahan is, is uh, interviewed in The Independent this morning from Cork. His honeymoon was thrown into disarray and he says online... Absolute pandemonium in Dublin Airport with flights being cancelled elsewhere and passengers sent here in buses. He said people are freaking out. No food. Promise of hotel rooms five hours ago. No news. Absolute bedlam. The carry-on is a total disgrace. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. And don't forget, if you want to nominate a frontline worker for one of our Trabalgan giveaways, please do so. Email neil at redfm.ie. You can also text, um, you know, whatever you want to say by text about that person uh, by texting 0868-104-106. Free three-night self-catering weekend breaks. And I have uh, five of those to give away right across the week. And the weekend that's been chosen by Trubogan is the 1st of April for frontline workers and their families. Uh, and I'll come back to those <coughs> across the morning and a little later by text already. I watched Jerry Dyer on TikTok the whole weekend. It was the best entertainment ever. That's the train spotting commentator who just went down a storm, if you'll pardon the pun. Oh, for God's sake, Neil, will you stop talking about broken aircraft crafts and difficult landing gear? My heart's in my mouth. I'm flying in July with the grandkids. 
and I can't sleep with the worry already. Don't you worry about it. Everything will be fine. Not all Cork flights got diverted. The London Stansted flight landed late last night into Cork after its fifth attempt to land. I watched it going round and round on flight radar. Wouldn't want to have been on that flight. They landed after two and a half hours in the sky. Well, they got it down eventually. My husband works in baggage area at Cork Airport. And on Friday, he was told that the Tenerife plane was delayed in Tenerife. So Ryanair decided to use the Liverpool plane to go to Tenerife. Unfortunately, that happens all of the time. Can't go on air. Yeah, but the last people to ever hear about that, of course, are plans that are being made are the passengers. Like it would seem that people on the plane, as in working the plane, knew that they were going to be in Cork for 10 hours. So if they were going to be in Cork for 10 hours, then the passengers should have been told the same. Uh, maybe they just don't, maybe they just purposely keep people in the dark, um, you know, so that they'll just keep them quiet. And the moral of all of these stories, under no circumstances travel with Ryanair. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it seems as if Ryanair gets you there, you know. Uh, a lot of flights were cancelled. I know they diverted an awful lot and delayed many more. I spoke to an airport worker and the cafe in Cork Airport is closed and not reopening. But it's got to reopen at some stage, doesn't it? I mean, they should reopen it, even if it's, uh, you know, with a reduced menu or reduced staffing. Just get it open. There are 16 flights scheduled to depart out of Cork today. How can they say it's not busy? It is a, it is a poor, it's poor to use this as an excuse for the lack of places to eat there. The airport reopened before Christmas. Surely at this stage, management should have made sure that all facilities were open, says Sean. Well, I can't disagree with any of that. They need to get it open. There is no reason. And we'll put in a request to them to explain to us as to why it isn't. As soon as I get it, I'll bring it back to you. So for all of the business, text 0868104106. Great news on Laura Swan's GoFundMe. It has passed its target. She set a target in the middle of last week to raise or attempt to raise or come close to raising €90,000. She needs this for six months clinical trial medicine drugs that will lengthen her life so that she won't die young to cancer and she'll be there not just for herself to live longer but for her children and her family and I chatted with her on the air I mean it's an incredible achievement that in the space of a few days that she would go to 92,550 euro but she has done so at least the six months clinical trial has now been guaranteed because she can afford to pay for it she has to pay for it privately I hope to talk and catch up with Laura uh, later in the week, hopefully tomorrow, maybe Wednesday, just to, to update. But that's a great achievement. And to everybody that was part of that journey, well done. Congratulations and thank you all. 92,550. That goes ahead of the 90 grand that was set. So at least she's going to get the chance, the help, if you like, to live longer. And that's a wonderful thing. Right, Chibi, uh, back to the phone as we go. Con, good morning. Con, can you hear me all right? You can. You there? Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they tell me yeah, you're a big. I, they tell me you're a big fan of Putin. Is that right? I am, yes, because as you, as you know, I was a big fan of Donald Trump, and they just get on very well together. You know, war when Donald Trump. You know, threatening a war when Donald Trump and Putin they had a famous meeting outside in Russia because someone like that. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think uh, Trump is 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 preparing for another run of the presidency. Are you aware of that? I do, and I'm aware also that he was done out of the last presidency. He, he was defrauded. He frauded out of the last one. He should be still president, <clears throat> you know. And uh, you know the, the media saying there that Putin is a warmonger. He's evil. He's anything but. He, he's a tough man now. But hang on a second. Man, if he's not a if he's not a warmonger, what's he doing with what's he doing with hundreds of thousands of troops yeah. on the Ukraine border? 
I'll tell you why, because Biden and NATO are, 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 are ready to more or less annex Ukraine into NATO. And uh, he, he's, he's worried about his... You remember, Ukraine is bothering Russia. He's yeah. only minded his own, his, own, his own borders. I mean, look at America. You can't get even in a thousand miles of America in that bit. Uh, you know what I mean? The media now have been saying that Putin is, is, is a man causing the war. How's it when Trump was there? Trump, Trump said to Putin, I, I'm almost sure he said it, you need to worry about Ukraine while I'm president. You know what I mean? He's, he, he, he knew what, what, what Putin was... Putin is a very proud Russian and he's a good Russian. He gets on very well with the yeah, Hungarian... Yeah, but can't he just get on with running Russia and mind his own business about what other countries want to do? Yeah, but see, he, he's not been left alone. How's, how's it to you, Viktor Orban, the, the Hungarian Prime Minister, can get on very well with him? He's going to get his gas 20 cents cheaper than the rest of Europe because he, he, he has one-to-one -one meetings. He gave Russia a contract there when they build a nuclear power plant and he's given them another contract to up, up I just it. I just don't know why people just don't get along. Maybe I'm naive or stupid. Why is there always people arguing or fighting or threatening roar between the East and the West and North well, Korea? I tell you, and you know why it's all the, the banks? I'll tell you what they're doing. It's a pure evil, the Masonic kind of thing. They want to take out Russia. You know why he would want to take out Russia? Because he's holding the line on, on, on spiritual Christian principles. He, he, he won't allow uh, LGBT and all that. And the same with the Hungarian Prime Minister. Hungarian Prime Minister now... But he's wrong then. Surely, well then he's definitely wrong. He should let people live and let live, whatever their sexuality yeah, but God, is. I mean, we, we're supposed to be Christians, but I'm afraid Ireland has gone very bad. We're, 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 almost, we're almost in the atheist country now. With the, but the, you can't the, support anybody that has, that's down on gay people. Just, you can't like. <laughs> you know I mean? it's, it's, it's in the Bible. We're not supposed to be doing that. Like, you know what I mean? You see, people are revisionists, they're revised. They make out that things like, oh, God didn't mean that at all. Like, you know what I mean? It's there in the Bible. Like, you know, it can't be fraternizing with the same sex. It's in the Bible. It's in the words of God. But you want harm. Like, there's no harm in it. It's not hard to uh, no, I'm, uh, Yeah, sure we know that's not happening. What about our children? They don't know. I tell you, the children don't know what they are now inside in school. So they're a boy or a girl or not. And, to the, and God, it'll come down very hard in Ireland. As you but, were, but that's not... But, but even if there is confusion and children are trying to work out their own sexuality, no disrespect, but it's not your business either. Nor mine. It is my business because I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm, I, I, and I'm getting a mass said for Putin every week. I'm praying for that man. And I, if I, 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 want to, I want to appeal to your staunch Christians as listening to your show. Pray for Putin. He's the only hope now against war. Forget about Biden. He's only, I, I know stuff about Biden, but I won't say it on air. And, and, and Johnson, a warmonger too. I had some sympathy for Johnson. I've no sympathy. He's a bad man because he was smiling there and he was saying this could be the biggest war since 1945. And he's smiling his face. Not a bit worried about it. At least Putin, he, 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 he's a serious man. And, and Victor Arben, Victor Arben has been demonized by the EU because he's Christian principles. Christian principles. So you, do, you don't see anything dodgy or sinister about Putin at all? I, oh, of course, he's he's a tough, uh, tough. I, how he I, I how he made all, how he made all his money? These allegations of this Russian mafia that's involved in yeah, everything yeah. that he does. Well, the the sending I, the sending of um, you know uh, Russians overseas to kill defectors and poison people and take people out who criticize him. You don't are you not aware of all of that? Well, 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 happened, well I don't know Ian about that. Uh, um, the, the, the two doors that poisoned the people, and then they, they were they were under threat of 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 death from Putin. So to get back in Putin was good books that went on their own mission. They killed the They didn't. They weren't authorized by by Russia to do that. And that is a fact. I mean, they were they were under sentence of death. So they said the only way to get back to Russia now is kill this fellow. This I was criticized. Oh, so it wasn't. No, no, that was ordered by Putin. Okay. So, yeah. but surely your Christ, the Christian philosophy that you talk of should be uh, to 
be kind, you know, to be yes, compassionate, to love everybody, to do no harm, to um, not want anybody to have a difficult or a hard life or a tragic life or a, a life where they feel um, under threat or don't feel included. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that the philosophy you should be living it, your it, life? It isn't the main principle, but people by phone, they're very famous men in the 1930s. No, no, but, no, no but, but if it is, why are you selective then about those who aren't like you um, and, and say that... Um, yeah, because I remember the country when I was growing up in the 1960s, but a Catholic country where everything was uh, straight, uh, there was everything right or wrong. Uh, now, now, now what's good seems to be evil and what's evil seems to be good. People have been confused, and that's part of Satan's great trick. He's ruling by fooling, ruling by fooling. He's, he's getting into people, and he says, oh, be compassionate, be compassionate. You can't be compassionate when, when the devil is, is calling the shots. And I'll tell you one thing, the devil is behind America and Britain to cause war and Putin. So you believe Putin that there is, actually is an actual devil? I do. Oh, God, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I, I've, I've nearly seen him. He, that's the greatest trick to pull that said the devil in there. The devil is there, I can tell you. I bet my life in it. He's there and he's very active at the moment. He's more or less running the show in, in the world at the moment for a short time. But God didn't smite him. But there's God, he's running. He's actually running the show. Biden, Biden is working for Satan. I know that's for a fact. I mean, people have no cop on. Biden was there for 35 years, what he'd done. He was owned and bought for Trump. Kemmer All right, that's, 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 that's kind of a little off topic. I'm going to get back to the devil. He's an actual, he's an actual yeah, he's entity. You say. Is, this, is he a spirit? Is he, um, like, does he, does he walk amongst us or does he, he have... will, yeah, very, very shortly, he'll be in flesh. He'll be known. He'll be known. He'll be known. He's, he's, he's about 30 years of age now. He'll be making his presence. It's a bit like that old Al Pacino film. Did you see that where Al Pacino yeah. was the devil? Do you remember that? Well, well, yeah, I do. I remember that film. Well, it, it's not too far out at all now. It's not too far out. And I tell you, Victor Orban, that's what so, yeah, but hang on, on there, So there, is there a hell? Is it eternal oh, damnation? There is a, and you can, and, is and there and fire? There's a fire of George Soros and Bill Gates, their name. They have chairs down in hell with their names on it. All right, well, Bill Gates you, and need to, you need to stop overly personalizing it. I want to talk to you about your, your thoughts on, on the devil. So he's an actual person that lives in hell where the fires of hell are burning for eternity. Is, do you believe, are, are you that do, traditional I, about it? I am, I am traditional about right. it. I so you don't think that, that, that you've been brainwashed? No, no, we'll go away and not brainwash. I said, oh, I, I was a lapsed Catholic up to about 15 years ago, but now, now I'm a staunch. I believe the devil and the, the hell, the whole shebang. As a man said to me, there's only two things, heaven and hell. You take your pick. And there's very few going to go to heaven. Like, you know, so well, what would you say to somebody who texts that you keep on quoting a fictional book in, from which nothing can be proved? Like some would say that the Bible should be in the fiction section of a library. Oh, sure, that's, that's the way Ireland is going now. That's the way Ireland is but, going. But it's, it's, not, it's a better place than the 1950s when children were beaten and abused by priests. I got that being abused now. There's a bit that have been abused at the moment, which has all been. But we had up. mother and baby homes. We had Magdalens. Yeah, we had oh, industrial oh, schools. And, and you blame all the rich for their own parents to put him in. This has been over the top altogether. And a man has written a book about those chum babies. He actually contradicts him and he can't get on the air. He can't get a. A, a lot of that is lies. Well, if, you, if you want to send me that book, I'm happy to read it. I didn't hear that there was one. I'm happy to read it well, and talk to him. I, I, I tried to get the book. So I'm why won't really you? Just why? Why can't you just see that we're all created equally in the eyes of God? And if Jesus Christ was walking amongst us now, Jesus Christ would have no. Forget the Bible now. Jesus Christ would have no problem in the white earthly world with gay people. None. Well, yeah, I, the way I'm looking at it, 
it's, it's not a sin to be gay, but to the sexual act that a gay person does. Like the God with Jesus Christ would have no problem with that. None. Yeah, he would He would have a problem with the sexual act, not with gay people. Well, I know people... How do you know that? that? I mean, he never, Jesus didn't write the Bible. It's men no. who wrote the Bible. Yes, yes. Crooked, yes. crooked corrupt popes updated the Bible, changed the stories well, of the Bible. It's a million well, miles well, away from what Jesus Christ was preaching when he was here. He said, well, love I everybody. Do, I, not just people really who are straight. We have, a corrupt, we have a corrupt pope at the moment, Francis. Oh, well, like, I there you go name. again. All you're doing is calling people names. Benedict is my the pope I, I stand by all the time. Benedict. Pope Benedict. He's right. the pope. My okay, eyes. okay. All right. As always, Con, I enjoy our chats. Thanks for getting in touch. Right, Neil. God Take care, God God and, uh, Your thoughts on that are welcome, but live to get other people's opinion rather than me hogging it. Text 0868104106. You want to get on the air, pick up the phone 0818104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. And you can text 0868104106. Um, actually, you wonder about uh, just Mick Mulcahy sent me a very, very good link there over the weekend as to why Russia is as interested as it is in, say, Ukraine. And for those who ask, why does Ukraine, Ukraine matter? Her. He was pointing out, I think he was he was just going through all of the different things that make Ukraine a really, really special place. Um, it's an incredible country by all accounts. It's the first in Europe in terms of um, arable land, the blackest of soil by all accounts. It's a great place for growing things. But just ahead of that, um, like for instance, it's uh, one of the biggest countries in the world for uranium and also for titanium and manganese ores. They have Billions and billions of tons of all of that. Iron ore as well. Billions of tons. Mercury. It's also um, the third place in Europe with like trillions of cubic meters of gas reserves, apparently. Um, incredible natural resources. Huge, massive, billions and billions of tons of coal, by all accounts. And agriculturally, then, it just exports all over the world. Sunflower, sunflower oil, barley, um, corn. Uh, the fourth largest producers of potatoes in the world, rye, uh, massive bee production like honey and bees, like tons and like thousands of tons of it. Wheat exports, chickens, eggs, cheese exports. Uh, they, Ukraine can meet the food needs of 600 million people easily. It's an incredibly industrialized company, country as well. It's got a, an incredible natural gas pipeline. These are some of the reasons that perhaps people are thinking why Putin is, is interested in it. Nuclear power plants, an incredible rail network. It's just an amazing country. Uh, iron exporters, wind turbines, massive producers of wind turbines, nuclear power plant turbines as well. This is on an industrial basis. Rocket launchers, clay export. Uh, it just goes on and on and on. Massive producer of steel, like 32.5 million tons of it a year apparently. And these are just some of the reasons why uh, Putin is interested in Ukraine. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone. Give us a bell. 0818104106. From Friday's program, big response last week to um, conversations we had with people who had loved ones in and dying in uh, nursing homes. And there was a lot of attention being paid to Ballino Nursing Home, who was which was hit very badly uh, during COVID. So I do want to get some of those texts on the air. I'll go back to phone lines then uh, after that. People in nursing homes were essentially prisoners, Neil, at the mercy of their caretakers. Some of the caretakers were fabulous, but they were terribly overworked. Some were not so great on the best of days. Add overwork to that and you had horrific conditions in some of those homes. Karina says, I know two people that died from getting COVID in hospital keeping our loved ones isolated from their families, but still ending up losing their lives over getting sick. Of st- uh, over getting sick. Um, 
It's disgusting how the patients and families were treated. It is even more disgusting how they are being treated now again by the powers that be. There needs to be an inquiry. Someone owes the families an explanation and an apology. David said they knew full well what they were at when they took COVID-positive old people out of hospitals and put them back into care homes with the most at-risk percentage of the population that they told us all along should be protected the most. This was all pre-planned. Robert says the whole government needs to be jailed for what they've done to the people of this country. Regina says, shame on those people who stopped families holding their loved ones' hands while taking their last breaths. Nicole says, so many families didn't see their families for months and for then this to happen to them. The inquiry should be undertaken as a matter of urgency. Michael says, it doesn't matter if there's an inquiry or not. Nothing will be done at this end. Nobody will be held accountable or lose their jobs over this. And finally, just one for now, and I'll come back to more later on. Fiona says, our father went into the mercy just as restrictions eased. He was in there three weeks before he died. Every day we were allowed to sit with him for as long as we wanted. We said how much we now we we said how much we now appreciated how difficult it must have been for families unable to visit their dying relatives because of COVID restrictions. And our hearts go out to them. We would not have been able to cope if we couldn't have been there with him as he slipped away in the mercy. So she's very grateful to the mercy staff for allowing that to happen. Some got that opportunity. Unfortunately, many others didn't. Um, And that leads me on to those who worked through COVID, frontline workers, not necessarily just those in healthcare settings. We have wonderful, wonderful weekend breaks to give away. Three free three-night self-catering weekend breaks. So they're for three nights. They're self-catering. But it's in recognition to thank frontline workers for their hard work over the past couple of years. So we're asking you to nominate. And then those heroes and their families or whomever they choose to take with them to the self-catering weekend three nights of it, will be treated to live entertainment right across the weekend. They'll have complimentary access to things like the subtropical pool paradise, use of the children's play area, so it's important that children get to go as well, access to the newly opened beach, and the incredible nature trails and walks. It's a 140-acre park, and it is all yours for the weekend of April 21st. Three nights self-catering, but we want you to share the stories with us. So let me get some of those calls on the air. Sometimes it's people nominating themselves. Others are being nominated by friends and families. Jennifer, good morning. Good morning, in your In your case, you want it for your own family. Yeah, sure. Why not nominate myself for my husband and the kids? And why do you think you deserve it? Well, as I said through my email, I'm a care worker. I work in um, the disability service. So we, our house is like 24-7, it's residential care. And my husband also worked full-time as well. He kind of helps with making the production of some certain medical devices. So he was kind of doing nights, I was doing days. We were kind of back and forth. So we were busy with working throughout the pandemic, like the whole time. So describe, describe your home. What do you exactly mean that everything happens so in we, your home? Um, in in the place I work. Yeah, you said that your home yeah. is twenty four seven. Oh, like our house is open twenty four seven, so it's for people for um, intellectual disabilities, um, just kind of in around the ages twenties to thirties, and they live there. So it's residential care, so they're there twenty four seven. It's actually their home, so we're yeah. actually going in working in their home. Yeah, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's a residential yeah, yeah, yeah. unit. It's a residential yeah. setting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it was tough over the past two years, then, because obviously oh, there yeah. been family restrictions and everything that you were dealing yeah, with. Yeah, we had the family restrictions, so the family couldn't come in and 
then our clients couldn't go home. So it was kind of very difficult for them. And then to try and help them to understand why they couldn't see their family was even more difficult. So we were basically, we are their family, like while we're there working in their And gym, what was your so. working conditions and hours like? Um, so sometimes it's 12 hours. And so it could be 8 to 8 throughout the day and then 8 to 8 at night or you could be doing half shifts. So it could be um, 6 hours throughout the day. It all depends what's needed and how many staff we have. And if you're short staff, then you have to stay on. I do recall at the very start of the pandemic that we had a scare in the house and we thought that the clients had COVID. So I do remember I actually ended up staying there myself for 39 hours at one point. But you, 39 so, hours, did, did you manage to keep COVID out? Yeah, we managed. Uh, don't get me wrong, a few staff got it, but none of our clients got it at all, which was great. Like, Wow, that was some achievement yeah. all the same, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Our house is small now, to be fair, but yeah, none, none of the clients got it. And did, how, how did it impact on your own family at home? Um, yeah, it was quite quite difficult. So I got pregnant throughout the pandemic, so now I have a baby, and my baby has only ever seen masks you know, inside and outside, like anywhere we go to just mask. And we also have an almost four-year-old. So all he recalls is mask, hand-washing, like he's in preschool at the moment and is constant. So his formative years, he's never really seen yeah. people's faces. No. So, yeah, so when he when this started, it would have been one and a half, two. So he actually doesn't know anything before COVID. Like he would have never got to go to say the St. Patrick's Day parade or anything like that. Or, Amazing. you know, have birthday parties, like big birthday parties like his older brother would have done. So yeah, they missed out. They're after missing out on a lot. Yeah. Santa, the whole lot, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, so, everybody had a price to pay, but you really get the story yeah. of COVID through the eyes of small children. I know. And that's just like, they, you know, they, they see completely different towards us. They've missed out on so much, like all the kids have. Between Did you get away at all over the past couple of years? God, no, no. We haven't been away in, I'd say, three years now, to be honest, well before COVID. Had your plans cancelled? Um, yeah, we actually had booked Club Mac. What's that? Uh, Club Mac, it's like, um, it's over in Alcudia, so it's like a big in resort. Alcudia. I thought it was a room yeah, off McDonald's. <laughs> no, God, no. So it's a big resort, so we booked it for two weeks. Um, and then obviously COVID happened so it was cancelled we had to cancel oh no okay yeah. well listen hang yeah. in there I'm going to try and talk to as many people as I can perfect uh, as quickly yeah. as I can but it's lovely to chat with you and thanks for taking the call for now Jennifer and well done on the work you did fair play thanks Mel. I'd like to nominate James Matthew Sally James has uh, for this amazing prize he's done tremendous or is doing tremendous work in the A&D and the CUH and has worked throughout the whole pandemic being both fantastic to the patients and the staff James always keeps a calming effect in tough times in the A&E. James went above and beyond his work by also liaising with patients, families to give support and reassurance. That's his nature and it did not go unnoticed. James Matthew Sally. Thank you, James, for all you have done. James is extremely deserving of a prize for himself and his family. He's not only proven to be a hero in a professional manner, but he has hugely helped my family through tough times throughout the pandemic. I'd greatly appreciate if you considered him for one of your prizes. It would mean the world to him and his family. Kind regards, says Geraldine Drohan. That's the kind of email that I love to get. Somebody nominating somebody else who is very quietly just getting on with their work. And certainly all through COVID, James has been doing the business at the A&E in CUH. Meanwhile, Sean, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Thanks for taking the call. Tell me about your sister, Olga. Yeah, so um, my sister, Olga, she's a guard in Mallow. So, like, obviously been working on through COVID yeah, as well. I imagine. Um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I suppose like, a lot of the focus goes on 
healthcare workers and stuff, and like rightly so for the the, the work they've been well, doing. Well, but, but yeah, but that should not only dictate as to what a frontline worker is. And no disrespect yeah. to healthcare workers, there were others who were also doing the business. That's what I want to get. Yeah, into, exactly. You know? like, I suppose, especially like in the lockdowns when elderly people and, and stuff would have been cocooning. Like a lot of the time. The, guard, the local guard calling to the, to the window to see if they were okay if everything was the only interaction they were getting that week you know Here, yeah and unfortunately the poor old guards got a bit of grief as well with the checkpoints and what have you and and actually funnily enough I found them all very nice and friendly and kind of they, they tried to be as light hearted about it as they could didn't they yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I suppose they're doing their job like everyone else at the end I mean, of the I day. I know, I mean, we do but, uh, see some of the video. There was one clip going around a couple of years ago of guards. Was it guards or was it police chasing people down a beach? <laughs> I could never forget that. God. Hunting We've all been there. I know, <laughs> I know but you got um, on with it anyway. Yeah, then look, look, she, she doesn't know that I, I submit or no, so she'd be, she'd be mortified, but like she's, um, she's a... a a single mama too as well so I was trying, trying to juggle that all throughout lockdown I can well imagine with, with, with being a frontline frontline worker as well is uh, no easy task now with leave oh, I think isn't it true that her husband passed away he did yeah he was he was a guard as well he, he passed away there um, about 11 years ago now um, <sighs> so the, two, the two boys were small small at the time so kind of That's all the more impressive what, what she's been doing I know and she's got a good family well. around her the likes of your good self and what have you it does, but like I suppose in in COVID, again, like <laughs> no no use story, you know, because we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't ship in like kind of everyone was on their own during during COVID. You I know, know so. I know, but it's a typical example of somebody, you know, a mother to two small children on her own, working as a guard and still going out to do her shift, and a lot of the time, you know, you know, we don't guards don't necessarily just clock in and out, so they don't. No, no, like as I said, like as I said, it's not your, it's not your nine to five, like so. You know. Did she tell you that she would visit people to check in on them, see if they were okay? Yeah, like it's just that's that's what what they were doing, you know, check, like doing checkpoints and stuff as well. But you know, like I suppose she's a guard in Mallow, so like a lot of the ah, local yeah, so they'd would, know would, the would local be community. rural, you know. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be unheard of them going for a spin out to check someone who was living alone or somebody elderly to make sure they were okay. No, no. Like as I said, especially kind of in the in the the more rural areas, like that that could be their only their only contact for for a few days at a time. I you know, know, I know. She made all the difference. Okay, so let's hear it for August Smith as a frontline hero as well, and as your as her as her as her brother, you nominate her and rightly so. Thanks for that, Sean. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. I'd like to nominate my mother, Catherine. She worked through the entire pandemic in St Stephen's Hospital as a chef. Her and all of the kitchen staff are the hidden heroes behind COVID. They continuously supplied food to all of the staff, all of the patients of the hospital. Without them, no one would have got a hot meal every day. All the while having chronic arthritis and caring for her elderly mother. She never once complained. She truly deserves a break. And that's um, uh, Shauna Daly's ma'am, Catherine, working as the chef down in St. Stephen's Hospital. Just one or two more. I work in the COPE in Montanati, COPE Foundation. We'd love to win the Trebogan competition to bring our residents on a well-deserving breakaway. The residents were extremely affected by COVID restrictions going on for months without being able to see their families and not being able to go out on day trips or any regular activities. Winning a weekend like this would mean so much to them. Mandy Downey got in touch with me on behalf of the residents at the Cove Foundation. And then I'd like to nominate my mother, Burma Kahi. She is the matron of the Bonds Secours Hospital. 
Bermal Kahi and has worked so, so hard throughout this time to make sure her staff, colleagues and patients were safe at all times and making sure the hospital stayed open. So that's Mary Mulcahy who texted on behalf of her mother, Burr, the matron at the Bonds. And one final one. My ma'am worked the whole way through the pandemic, visiting her clients in their homes. She loves them dearly, as they do her, and I think she very much deserves a treat. Myself, my two brothers and my daughter would be lost without her. She goes above and beyond for us and all of her clients. Please think of my ma'am as I think a break is well overdue, says Kira Purcell. Clearly your mother's a care worker, as we used to say, home help back in the day, visiting clients regardless of COVID and doing the best she could. Keep them coming, lads. Very important. Uh, and we'll pick it up uh, after 11 and get some more calls and emails on the air. Nominate who you think should win one of our weekend breaks at Trabulgan. You can do so by email to neil at uh, redfm.ie or you can do it uh, by text to 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go. We'll jump in and out of that. That's the way the week is going to be. Joe, Joe, good morning. Good morning. Uh, Khan had a lot to say there about different things, including Christianity and the Bible. But he was also talking about Putin. Um, you're you're Bosnian Serb. Yes, correct. Okay, okay. Did you serve in the army? Yes. Okay, okay. Um, what what do you make of what's going on there? What prompted your text? Well, the, what's happening is I'm as a as a, a retired military military officer and involved in the Bosnian War myself. I sort of understand uh, war maybe a little bit more than people up here. Okay. Were you, act- were you engaged under- in active fighting? I was indeed. Okay. Did it affect you? Uh, obviously. I was, uh, I was shot by the, by the Muslims twice in, in, in over. I was uh, arrested by, by the, well, whoever was. Uh, I was working for three years in Ireland before I was arrested here and brought it in the Hague. Brought to the Hague? And, yes. War crime? War crimes? The, well, I was, uh, uh, well, I was told that I, if I don't show up in Holland Embassy in certain time, that I would be arrested. So okay. I had to show up in certain time in the Holland Embassy and I was told that I will be receiving different uh, uh, passports to, to travel in Holland, which I refuse. Then uh, I was told that I will, uh, when I arrived in Holland, eventually I was told that I'm a, a witness of prosecution. Oh, you were there as a witness? Correct. Okay. You weren't on but, trial for anything? No, okay. no. Okay. I was I was called as a witness in prosecution of people who I worked uh, worked back in Bosnia. But way for ethnic done, cleansing, is it? Uh, uh, well, not in in my case. They wanted me to 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 prove that certain people was in certain area which I have no clue about okay. at the time. Okay. Okay. And if I was told in Ireland what what is it about, I would never go. Okay, all right. I, no, was, I, was, I, was just, yeah. I was just curious. I mean, I don't know if any of that relates to what you think about Putin and, say, his interest in okay. Ukraine. Uh, I mean, but, yes. But as, as, so you, you were in the Yugoslav War, Bosnian-Serbian War. Yes. Did you, did you, did you shoot anybody? Uh, no. No, that I'm, I'm, I'm aware, no. Okay. But did you ever shoot anybody? Oh, well, in live combat you have to shoot to survive. So you did then? 
I did shoot, but I don't. I haven't. I haven't. You know, have that horrible experience of seeing anyone actually being shot by, okay. by myself. Okay. Okay. All right. I was in engineering unit. I was more more about the. the building bridges and, 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 and roads than, than I understand no, I was just curious about your life you know I'm always interested in what people do and what they've been through I wish to God we, we could all get along in this world and we don't have wars like the Bosnian Serbian war we don't have Vietnam's well, what or I would wars. like to draw attention to it or the possibility of another war you know possibility of another war in, in Europe and people who are pulling the strings are not necessarily in Europe Right, the point I'm making. Uh, I'm afraid that NATO have no purpose anymore, and the NATO ha- trying to desperately to find the reason to exist again, and finding. And need to keep yes. us safe against the likes of uh, Russian aggression or North Korea or you know countries I that mean, are gearing up uh, for nuclear war. Yeah, there's there's obviously in all this, but. The, the, the possibility of, of of Russian aggression, but we've been we've been talking about Russian aggression for last couple of months, which we are not seeing it. What basically happening? Way I not see seen it, it yet, though. Right. Yeah. Doesn't mean it won't happen. Well, no one obviously can can say that that is it going to happen or not. But the way I see it, those uh, uh, troops what been put on 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 the Russian uh, Russian Ukraine border are not to invade uh, Ukraine in general. This is uh, trying to prevent the, those people in Donbass and in the other areas. They just want an area of the Donbass, which is probably Russian anyway, they think, is it? They, they, they have about 750,000 people there with Russian passports. And I do, be, I do believe by the uh, uh, Russian federal law, president has duty to defend those people. Okay, okay. Well, all we want is that, all we want is all we want is for people to back off and not fight or not drag in NATO or not drag in the Americans or the British or the French. Exactly. What's happening, British British defense or minister of defense goes over, she has no clue where where Russians' republics are. She's talking of the position of strength they're going to de-escalate the, 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 the situation in Ukraine, but what they're doing in same time, in same day, they deliver lethal weapons to, to Ukraine. All right. Okay, you heard me read out the list of things that Ukraine has. It seems to be an incredibly abundant country. Would that Absolutely be one of... Absolutely yeah. amazing country. And it makes you, makes you think, why they're not doing well? Oh, they're not even doing well in spite of the massive resources that they have. That's what I'm trying to say. Why, why not? Because of the, all those corruption and everything, what been so many geopolitical uh, 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 players or, or, or interest sides have so many things done in, in Ukraine. If they just leave them alone, those people will sort out themselves. Most likely. Is, is, is all of this Ukraine-Russia business, is that one of the reasons why... Petrol and diesel and gas and home heating oil is so expensive. Is that one of the reasons? That's exactly what's happening. The, the Americans won't let the, 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 the North Stream pipeline to go into the, the, the Germany for us to have a cheap gas. They want to sell us LPG, which is about three times more expensive than, than, than gas what's going to the, to the, to the uh, 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 Germany. So as usual, the, this is all about money. 
Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. And what's happening is uh, 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 they're telling us that uh, Russians going to use the pipeline as a, as a influence in Europe. They can turn so it on and off whenever they want. But if you look, if you ask Germans about uh, 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 how reliable uh, Russian gas is, they will tell you all about it. They never have a problem. Only problem ever was when when, uh, Ukraine, uh, the uh, politicians started turning off the gas uh, uh, because it was going to the Ukraine. And all this being politicized, you know, Angela Merkel and, and Putin kept peace in Europe. Well, I mean, okay, I mean that's you know that's a story for another day. Right now, I know that uh, Emmanuel Macron is trying to broker some kind of peace talks, isn't he? Yeah, well, they all trying, but what's happening is they can't promise uh, 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 security to Russia. You see, what what's happening? NATO is trying desperately to get all those Baltic countries into the NATO to to, to get closer to Russia. Yeah, but and and the Russians are freaking out over it. They're getting very nervous. Can you imagine? It. Can you imagine Russians putting putting day day troops in I don't know in South America? Yeah, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. And saying, saying to Americans, look, don't, don't you worry. Don't worry about we it. Yeah, we, okay. Don't, don't worry about it. We know what we're doing. You, you're going to be just fine. But once we're there, you can't get us out. Yeah, like we're in, we're in Mexico now. The Russians say, don't worry about it, though. We're not going to do anything. Well, yeah. well if, I, if I remember well from the history in 1960s when the uh, uh, Soviet Union Cuba. was about to put, put the nuclear heads in Cuba... American president went over and he said, I do understand all your reasons and everything else, but if you don't take them out, we're going to take them out. Yeah, that's right. And of that, course, that was that the was Cuban Missile Crisis. So, all right. So, all right. you can't, you can't uh, uh, create security of one country on expenses of security of neighboring country. And Thanks for that, Jojo. We covered a lot of ground. You're Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, nice look after yourself. God Take bless. care. All the best. Bye-bye. Text 0868104106. Back after 11. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well. And thank you so much for taking the call and talking this through, because we have been talking recently about the responsibility of clubs and pubs to patrons, male or female, particularly if they're ejecting them from the premises. Uh, Can you tell us about your own daughter's situation or, or that incident that happened to her and her friends? Yes, I can. It happened there in November, late November, where they had gone into town to have lunch, bottomless punch, I think it's called, at a particular licensed premises in the city. And when they left there around maybe four o'clock, half a four in the afternoon, they went into another licensed premises to continue having some more drinks. Now, interestingly enough, um, one of the girls um, commented and later on when she was ejected or one of the staff commented, you were drunk when you were coming in here, which would suggest, and I think the three of them were, were intoxicated going into the premises, the second premises, and actually should not have been allowed into the premises. You know, I mean, it's, it's illegal for someone to allow intoxication on a licensed premises. So I was annoyed about that for start. Yeah, and so I suppose you're right in the sense that you shouldn't be giving drink to somebody who you claim to be drunk in the first place. Can 
I just well, clar- it's actually illegal for them to do that. Okay, okay. Well, can I just clarify for those that don't know, what is a bottomless brunch? <laughs> I think it's kind. Of, I think there was prosecco served with it, and I think it was maybe one or two drinks with it. I genuinely don't know. I've never had one myself. Okay, so and, I and I'm not. I'm not apportioning any. I'm not. Uh, I'm not a judge and jury here. But my understanding of it is, uh, it's a period of time where you pay X amount of money, and within that period of time, you can eat and drink as much drink as you as can, as much as you want. Yeah. Okay, so you, yeah, people could well have been. Okay. Now, look, I I think they went in there at about half one to half four. So that's three hours. So I'd say they may have had three or okay. four. What they actually said was they had a substantial meal with several drinks so they had a few glasses of Prosecco each so they may well have had three or four each Okay. Um, you know they're quite lightweight little girls so that might well have sent them a bit I suppose a bit giddy is the word I would use Okay but that's a, that, that has nothing at all to do with whether or not they should be treated any differently drunk, giddy or sober Absolutely but not and I think that's a very important point to is. make yeah. because be you male or female if you are intoxicated, you are now a vulnerable person. And depending on the level of your intoxication will dictate how vulnerable you are. And if you are being put out of a premises for whatever reason you are being put out, the licensee has a duty of care to you to ensure that you are safe. Now, when you are ejected from the premises, you are one of two things. If you are intoxicated, you're making you're committing a breach of Section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act, the Public Order Act, you're intoxicated in a public place. And in fairness, if that is the case, then the person who has ejected you has a duty of care to you. But if you're intoxicated and ask and act in the mix, you know, drunk, the old drunk and disorderly, again, it's a criminal offence for which the licensee has a responsibility to ensure that you are safe. And they should either be calling the guardie to ensure that you are either taken away to safety and, you know, from, from maybe... Uh, causing a, a, a fight or an, an aggravation and if you're just drunk they should still be ensuring that you get home safely mm. why can't they have some kind of a system whereby they have taxis on call and if people are being put out because they're a bit under the weather so to speak let them go outside okay, but, 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 let them bring all their stuff with them and bring a friend with them and send them home to safety but what? not have them hanging around the street but what actually if we wind the clock forward then what happened then past 5 o'clock 6 well, o'clock happened? 7 o'clock 8 o'clock what happened, my daughter, was that for whatever reason, um, she was ejected from the premises. I think there had been some issue regarding dancing on the stage or something. They had been asked not to. OK, so she was literally um, frog marched out the door without an explanation and let put outside the door without her coat. Now, she happened to have her phone, but she did not have her coat. Mm. And she's not an argumentative young lady. She did try and um, say to the, the guys, well, look, she said, you know, it's really not very safe for a woman to be out here on, the, on her own, taking into account that people have been having their drinks spiked. You know, um, mm. it's not very safe. And they ignored her. And it was November to, and it was pitch dark. Yes. Well, at this stage, I'd say you're talking about nine o'clock. On it would have been dark. Night. Yes, yeah. it would have been dark. Yeah, yeah. And it was cold. It was sub 10 degrees temperature on that particular night. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she tried to, to engage with it and they just weren't having it. Um, you know, she said, look, can you give me some idea why I was put out? They wouldn't engage with her. She wasn't allowed to go in and get her friends. Her friends weren't called for her or whatever. So she eventually said, well, look, you know, can you just explain to me why I was put out? And I think they dismissively suggested, oh, why don't you ask guard so-and-so? I think there might have been a guard there. I don't know. Okay. And but she was... Well, she, she wasn't... Know, she, she, I mean, she... Okay, dancing on the stage and acting the Egypt and being told to stop. But that's not aggression. Yeah. She, was not, she wasn't argumentative or aggressive or... No. No, she wasn't. Flailing out with her arms. Um, she just... Was 
was active. You know, she wasn't. It's the, it's what was done afterwards was not correct and was not proper for whatever reason they put her out because they ignored her. They didn't offer any assistance. They didn't say, look, get a taxi home. Even whoever the guard was, all he said was, go on away home for yourself. Right. Okay. And but she, uh, she was quite upset by this because she felt she was being ignored, and that she had a very real reason. You know, a, a very reasonable question to ask: that like, can you explain to me why I was put out, or it's not very safe for me to be? Yeah, here. it's the whole area of duty of care again. Yes, yeah, the whole duty of care to, particularly to establishments who thing. have been serving you the drink hour after hour after hour. You know, does their responsibility end when they throw you out? I mean, shouldn't be throwing you out in the first I place. I don't believe that it does because she was still on the cartilage of the building. And what happened she next was then? Was she, was she literally... What happened then was she got quite upset by this and um, she walked towards the river and she stood beside the river, beside the wall, beside the river. She took off her boots. She put them on the ground beside her. She took off her socks and she put them on the ground beside her boots. She then put her handbag down on the ground beside her and she stood up on the wall with the intention of throwing herself in. Oh my so God. We, we knew nothing about this until I got a phone call. I got several phone calls from a number I didn't know and I actually rejected the call because I thought it was just somebody messing. So they eventually messaged me and say, answer your phone, your daughter just tried to throw herself into the river. Good God, that must have come as some shock. So I I can tell you the hair stood up in the back of my neck and I felt physically sick. Myself and my husband drove into town immediately to try and meet this person, this guardian angel who uh, assisted my daughter and we rang this person back to say, look, please hold on to her, don't let her go, we're on the way in. So I imagine that he had stopped his car, ran to her, grabbed her and saved her. Yes. Okay. In fact, what had happened was he had been with his friends in town. He'd come into town to get, as he said, a bit of munch. And it was their third time driving around the city centre looking for somewhere suitable. And for whatever reason, this was their third time, he spotted her, jumped out of the car immediately to save her. So you arrived then and you, you, you obviously met your daughter, yeah? Had, had, well, had she was arrested. For, she was arrested for what? and detained under the Mental Treatment Act. Okay, is that... She tried to is is that normal protocol? Yes. Okay, yes, thank you. Yes, it is, and it's okay. proper protocol because she was a person who was in danger. At risk. Yes, she, At was risk. Also, she had a drink on board, but that the guard, he had to arrest her. They brought her to the local guard, the station, and we met them there. And, and they were very kind to her. Um, so she she had to be processed and part of that process is they have to call in a general practitioner to examine her under the Mental Treatment Act to see if she is a person who needs to be committed. Wasn't that the most severe reaction, um, you know, to want to wish to end her life? I believe that it was actually a cry for help, that it wasn't her intention to kill herself, but that she was so upset. Now, there was other issues going on in her life. Okay. Um, okay, okay. And this was this compounded it, if you like, yeah. that here she was with the situation that there was something else going on in the background which was upsetting her, and then yeah. this compounded it for her, that she felt, what's the point in me being here? Oh, my God. And I was so close to her, actually. Yes. Yes, you so know, we were very grateful to them on Garda Shia because they were very kind to our daughter, they were very good to her. We were allowed to bring her home, obviously we did, and, um, you know, we later found out that her friend was also ejected from the licensed premises about an hour afterwards. Her friends didn't even know that she had been ejected and that she had tried to commit suicide and that she had been arrested. They were blissfully unaware of it. Were they unaware and that your daughter had been taken out an hour earlier? They didn't, they, they they didn't miss her? They didn't know. They didn't know. Well, see, they went looking for her and couldn't find her. Crikey. So, in any event, her friend was also thrown out about an hour later, but she was thrown out without her handbag, without her coat, and without her mobile phone. Now, I have to ask you, 
how was she supposed to get someone to help her? How was she supposed to get home? And would you think that staff, certainly security staff, would have known that she didn't have her phone, that she didn't have money, (laughs) her bag or her coat? It would have been very obvious. It would have been very obvious. And would she she have said, please, I need to take my property with me? I mean, did she remonstrate? I do believe that she should have been afforded some opportunity to retrieve her property. Um, I have heard of a situation where somebody before was thrown out of a nightclub and without their property. And part of her property was her passport. And she had to wait until the following evening to collect her passport. And she was due to fly home to England the following afternoon and couldn't fly because she didn't have her passport. But what are we going to do to change this, particularly in the times that we're well, now. I think there needs to be more accountability by the door staff and by the premises. Um, for but, they're, example, but they're trained and they're licensed. Involved, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, go but on. if my daughter was involved in some incident or other, this should have been recorded. They're obligated to record it in a book. Now, that's part of the PSA regulations. Okay, That's the Private Security Authority regulations. That if an incident occurs, it's supposed to be recorded. I would say that probably didn't happen. Not only that, but if they are going to retrieve or retain somebody's property, that should also be recorded. And somebody should be nominated to return that property to them as soon as yeah. it's practicable. Um, so many questions for you. Did, you. did you get in touch with the club subsequent to all this and ask for an explanation? No. no. I didn't. I didn't because it had gone into total lockdown at that stage. I didn't. Okay, and uh, again... My what, first port of call but, was actually to get in touch with the private security authority. Okay, so you call the licensing authority who licensed door staff. Is it? Do they also yes. train door staff? Um, they are responsible for setting up the courses, but it's a lot of other companies actually train the staff. Sometimes security companies themselves will train their own staff. And would you please tell me whether you've ever been able to find out from them or anything within their data online as to what their policy is officially regarding ejecting people from clubs and pubs? In the sense of I responsibility couldn't, I to... Couldn't a, find, I couldn't find anything that would give me a satisfactory answer to that. But we have to end the days of somebody being ejected for any reason and being left to their own devices, worse if they're intoxicated, on the streets at night. We have to stop that. I agree with you, but, you know, everybody has to take, I suppose, a portion of responsibility. Those that drink have to take responsibility for trying not to drink too much and becoming unwell and unable to And I know that, and there's responsible drinking, but in the event of your... The have to take a major responsibility for stopping serving people who are already intoxicated. It's an offence for them to do so. And then to throw them out when they've finished taking their money... I don't true. want them on the premises anymore because they're causing trouble. Okay, I spoke to um, a former uh, member of door staff on Leaside for many, many years, and he says it's all right for you to be talking about it like that. He says, but you have no idea how difficult it is—the state and the condition of people at the end of the night, in particular. All we want to do well, is get I, people out safely and go home, and they would wreck your head with the carry-on. Yes, I, I, I fully understand where he's coming from because I actually served. Um, as a member of Vanguardia Shikona. So I, I appreciate okay. it completely. And I also have my own PSA license. Now, I've never worked as doors if I have okay. worked as static security, but I know exactly what it's like. It's it's not an easy job. I accept that, but they have a duty of care to their patrons. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I know so, more so than ever now. It's just, I know that in some countries, I know Canada and I think America is the same. If there is an event or a traffic accident or anything at all to do with a person, say, for instance, who's been served too much alcohol, uh, who gets into trouble or causes trouble or crashes a car or whatever, the, the, the actual licensed premises can be sued. Isn't, isn't that right? I mean, you know, I, I'm actually not. I wouldn't be familiar with legislation outside of the country. Yeah, here, I but think it, that it sounds. It sounds. It doesn't sound unreasonable. I have to say, 
you know, it doesn't sound unreasonable. I don't think that's um, the law here, though. You know, anyway, that's that's. Just, but I'm just talking about the responsibility, certainly with regards to serving lots of alcohol, high-powered alcohol to to young people, mm, and then thinking, ah, mm. oh, listen, out you go. We don't want you anymore. You're a nuisance. I mean, it's, yeah, it makes no it's sense. It's not acceptable. I mean, say that if they're drinking shots or that, they're they're. It's easier for them to get intoxicated. You know, it really is. And how was your daughter after this event in the cold light of day? I hope she's recovered and has managed to. She is. She's doing very well. Uh, she was quite upset about it. I think she was more upset because she she felt embarrassed. And I said, you know, you've nothing to be embarrassed about. I know that it was a cry for help, which it was. But I was very annoyed. I felt very let down by the doorstep that they did not take my daughter. Um, they didn't take her 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 care into their. I suppose, into the equation. I really was annoyed. I do feel they could have, if she was annoying them. You know, if she'd been standing outside the premises annoying them, asking them questions, and it bugged them, could they not have called her text and said, go on away home, pet? But Mary, she could have jumped. And like... It, yes. And, and, this, and one of the yes. reasons for her jumping could have been what happened inside yes. and the ejection from the club. I mean, oh, there were other issues yes. in her life, as you say, and she was, yes. she was upset about other things. But this, yes. this could have been life or death. It was life or death. Absolutely. Well, you know, that is, it, it's, how many times have we seen that before with people maybe who on the spur of the moment do something That's like that right. because they've had too much to drink right. or maybe somebody has said something in the club or somebody has been unkind to them, you know, maybe throwing them out at that. But yeah, the licensed premises have a lot more to do. They have a bigger duty of care. They're really not taking it on board. Just because you put them outside the door does not mean that that's the end of your responsibility. Absolutely, absolutely. Listen, thank you so much for taking the call. You've been very honest and open. Um, glad that all is well. Hopefully, conversations like this on the air may make a change. I don't know. Maybe get nightclub owners. Well, and pub I, I'd owners like to, to take this opportunity, if I could, Neil, to thank the young gentleman who helped absolutely. my daughter. Yeah. If it wasn't for him, things may well have been very different. And um, what a lovely young man, a guardian yeah. angel to her. And to be honest, I'd like to organise something in maybe in aid of Pieta House. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe in the coming months you might get back to me on that because I have something in mind for Well, it. yeah, tell you what, you come back to me, you're pushing an open I door, will. whatever you need, I'm here I for will. you, okay? I will. and thank you so much. And okay, hopefully, me. you know, if people sit down, I, I think as well, there are probably a lot of other people who have had issues similar to my daughter and have not made complaints to the proper authorities. Now, I'm disgusted to say that the private security authority did not respond to my complaint. Mm. And I have actually sent a copy of that to their CEO by registered post, and I still have not received a response response to my complaint. Why would anybody else bother to make a complaint if that's the response they're going to receive? I know, I know. Listen, Mary, thanks for taking the call. It's been so nice to speak to you. Thank you. All the best. Bye now. Okay, bye-bye now. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 0818-104-106. Uh, Texter says, that's, it's, not, it's not the job of door staff once you're off the premises. It's personal responsibility at that stage. Well, I'd love to chat with you about that, particularly if you're working in security over that Texter is, because surely there is some responsibility even when someone, a patron, leaves the premises or has to go out and wants to come back in again or has to be escorted out for too much drink or even fighting or what have you and they're out of their heads I would have thought that there is still responsibility on the club or the pub because they served them that drink in the first place and allowed them to drink too much so you just can't allow people to their own devices that's my own thought and, and I want to be as fair as I can to say for instance the reference that Mary had to bottomless brunches I have never been to a bottomless brunch but if it's bottomless like what's limitless is it unlimited food is it unlimited drink for a certain period of time like maybe 
two hours or something? Or is it limited drink and unlimited food? Or is it like two glasses of Prosecco or as much Prosecco as you could drink? So I'd love to hear some more about that. Text 0868104106. My two daughters are students in UCC and CIT in Cork. We live in Kinsale. I had to go in and collect them both last Thursday week. I didn't get to this last week, so it would have been last Thursday week. I had to go in and collect them at midnight after a night out in Cork City. Once I drove down Washington Street, I could not believe one the number of young people on the streets, and two, the complete lack of guard supervision. There were two guards on duty that night, and they had to call in backup. It was clearly obvious to me, and bear in mind now it was the Thursday nights, a big student night in the city of Thursday nights. There were two guards on duty, they call in backup. It was clearly obvious to me, as an onlooker, that they were completely out of their depth. Indeed, they looked panicked and they looked nervous. Two guards in this situation are not enough presence at all. I could see in front of me people on the ground, on the floor, people fighting. A total, total lack of control. My daughters have also reported to me the incident rate of people being, one, beaten up for no apparent reason, and two, people's drinks being spiked with appalling consequences. My own daughter went out last night to sinners and her drink was spiked. She felt confused, dazed and out of it. She went and reported it to the bouncers who didn't want to know. Uh, They could not care less and told her to take herself off to the hospital. My daughters now do not wish to go out in Cork at night because they feel it is too dangerous, too unpoliced and that it's really like the Wild West. My own family are coming here to visit soon and want to go out into Cork at night. I have told them quite firmly, no, Cork is not a safe place. It's so sad to hear that. I myself am originally from Liverpool and for a long time now, Liverpool has felt like a safer option to go out at night. Ask my daughters and their friends. They do not feel safe. They are not adequately protected by our guardie. Is this the sort of reputation that we want for Cork? Says Tracy. She gives me a full name, details and everything if anything needs to be checked and thank you for it. So that was her experience or at least the experience of her two daughters Thursday. Yeah, I think you need to be there or at least going through the city in the early hours, you know, where the pubs are coming out or the clubs are coming out and people are looking for food and want to continue to socialise when they're outdoors. Meanwhile, I went to town on Wednesday with my wife to have a browse. This is during the day. Maybe do a little bit of shopping. We haven't been in for a couple of weeks. But each time we've gone in, we've seen yet another scrap on our main thoroughfare. This time, right under Mangan's clock on Patrick Street. This has become all too common and so sad to see that our city has been lost to an element around our streets. After this latest incident, we walked all the way down as far as Grand Parade, not a guard in sight. It's no wonder people avoid the place unless it's really necessary. I'll tell you, Neil, we both won't be venturing into town for a long time until we can feel it's safe again to walk in our beautiful home by the Lee. Don't give out our private details. So that was a daytime visit. I got video sent to me then at uh, the back end of last week. You know when you're sent video, it's not time stamped. So you don't know if what I was sent is recent, last week, last month, last year. But it's video footage of two fellas scrapping in the middle of the day. One guy on top of the other, literally kicking him beating him, smacking him around the head, walking up and down the street, shouting at other people, then running back and kicking him again into the head as your man lays on the ground, almost unconscious. Uh, Then this fella carries off and walks up the street, threatening another fella, goes back down again and starts kicking your man into the head. And this is all on Patrick Street, um, from Marks and Spencers to Debenhams. Meanwhile, 
There's people standing at the bus stop waiting for buses. There's pedestrians walking past, watching. Another fellow then comes to the aid of the fellow who was kicked about the floor and starts fighting with the guy who did it. So a second scrap starts, and that then rolls out into the traffic. And there's traffic going up and down Patrick Street. At this stage, we're down around Debenhams now, and they're just going mental with the fighting. And this is in broad daylight, you know. You see this then sent to you on Instagram. At the same time, you see photos of old Cork sending the most beautiful photographs of the city centre, sending the most beautiful videos that were taken way back in the day of the city centre, where there never would have been a fight. Certainly, you would not have seen people kicking the heads off each other on Patrick Street. But there it is nonetheless. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on that are welcome. Text 0868104106. Just as to how safe or unsafe the city seems to be these days. Um, I will come back to a lot of texts and emails from last week. There was a very interesting one that came in regarding uh, Don O'Callaghan who got a three and a half year sentence for 33 years of pension fraud. Um, and much of the money, of course, that he took was over 700 grand. Uh, over 33 years, much of it was given to the bookies. Imagine he was 30 years on job seekers as well, and he probably spent a lot of his job seekers in the bookies as well. Most of the people who interacted with me felt that a jail sentence was all wrong in this case. Absolutely all wrong. Um, Rebecca says, we could all say we have an addiction and live our lives like that. It looks like Don was living the life of Riley, gambling every day with more money than most people who were out working hard. He was getting away with it for so long and he learned it from his dad. So he saw that this kind of behaviour was okay. Meanwhile, I got emergency taxed last year as I changed jobs and what a struggle I had to get that back. But they handed out half a million euro to Don. I had a boyfriend once for 13 years who sat on his ass gambling my money while I was working hard day in, day out to pay all of the bills. He wasn't an addict. He did it because I, the fool, allowed him to. Not intentionally, obviously, but I did nonetheless. Also, my battle with the social to get my tax back is a battle and they make you feel like you have to jump through hoops to get your hard-earned money back. Meanwhile, Donna Callahan gets three and a half year jail sentence for his crimes. Thank you for that. Keep those texts coming. Text 0868104106. Back to the phone lines we go because we are giving away wonderful weekend breaks. They're three night breaks, self-catering weekends down at Traboggan. And we're looking for the greatest stories of all, the stories of people who worked through COVID on the front line. And again, if you are getting in touch, I'm, not, I'm talking about all frontline workers, not just those working in hospital settings. So this is lovely. Because this is an email that was sent in by a three-year-old grandson, Harry, with a little help from his mom, Elena. It says, this is Harry's email. I would like to nominate my nanny, Angela, in Kerry for the breakaway. She's been working through the pandemic nonstop like every other frontline worker, my parents included. My, nan- my nanny lives in Valencia, County Kerry, and works in the kitchen in Cahirsavine Community Hospital. So she had to go into work every day. She lives on her own and she was so lonely and sad not being able to see us for so long. She has, like so many others, made so many sacrifices to keep herself and her family and, of course, the people she works with and carers very safe. I can't explain what a few days away with her little boy, Ian, and two other grandkids that are in Galway would mean to her. I can just see her face now if she won. It would make it all worthwhile. Well, that's our grandson's email to me about Angela. And Angela joins me by phone. Good morning. 
Good morning. Isn't isn't he the greatest little fella, Harry? He, he is. He's unbelievable altogether. Do you he's call him your little boyeen, is it? I do. <laughs> he's great writing for a three-year-old, hasn't he? <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Did you know he was doing something like this? No, I didn't. Are you mortified? I, I am. <laughs> Desperate. <laughs> I know the little hospital there in Carisavine. Listen, far from little, I think they're building on extensions all of the time. Yeah, the, yeah, the extension will go on as well at the time. Have you have you worked there long? Forty three years since slash November. Oh my God! You must have worked nowhere else. Have you been there all your life? Since I was fourteen, yeah. How did you go in there at fourteen from school? Was it from school? But well, I went to school as well. I did my leaving cert and everything. Had so, you the leaving cert done by fourteen? No, 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 no. I was doing leave, doing leave to all the holidays and everything else. You went only joking. You went in part time, of course, and then went full time yeah, 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 and stayed yeah. all the way through. What would have been the eighties, the nineties, oh, the noughties, and now yeah, the twenties? Seen a lot of changes and everything. And has <laughs> has it been difficult the last two years in the hospital? Very, very difficult, Arthur. Very difficult. Well, quite difficult. Everyone just minded themselves, and the main thing was to just wind our residents. Oh, sure, I know. I know. And you have family in Cork, and you have family in Galway, and everything. Yes, yes, yes. weren't I able to see them so much. Oh, I, know. I could love to give them a hug and everything. They but went through their own stuff as well, like. Yeah, but surely you've seen them now. Oh, I, I haven't seen the. I haven't seen my two grandkids in Galway since uh, last June. Go away. And what yeah. about what about little Harry? Have you given him a hug recently? Oh yes, yes, about a fortnight ago. <laughs> <laughs> he had his little mask on and he just ran over nanny 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 nanny. <laughs> I know. It's all three year olds know his masks, isn't it? Yeah. He just wore a mask. Just the, the hug. A hug is all I ever wanted. Just to, to hug him. I know. And even sure. my son Mark and Elaine and TJ and Gran as well, like and little girls. And I've gone up so much as well, like. In spite of all you've seen over the four decades, this was a tough one, wasn't it? Because you've probably seen a lot. I've seen a lot, yeah, I've seen a lot. Yeah. And like, it would be very upsetting if one of our residents got it, but he didn't. We got a fierce achievement. You're so saying that it, no COVID got into Carisavine Community Hospital? No COVID, no, no. And trust, I, I have a load of sacrifices from the staff and everyone. How did the staff do it, like? Kept it very, out. very. It was tough. It was tough. To just everyone had to keep themselves safe, and we were PCR tested every fortnight. And I know, but we, there's a long gap we, between a fortnight. Yeah, waiting for the that text. The other who COVID free. So though, <laughs> yeah, like you bonus, know, bonus all the time when we got that text message. I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. So, with regards to, um, say, for instance, Harry and his mum and dad, would they come down and stay with you then from time to time when it's summertime and the weather is nice? Oh, they would, yeah, yeah, like before the COVID, of course. And Mark's yeah. originally from down there, is he? Oh, he is, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. And what brought him to Cork? He joined the Navy. Get away. And he was working in the front line as well, like, they were up in Dublin one time testing and all that. I know. And uh, you'd be worried about, uh, and you'd be worried about Mark and Elaine as well, like, and TJ and Grana. Grana worked in the hospital in the COVID ward as well. I know, I know, I know. Yeah. You were all, you were all stuck in it then. Oh, I'll stick on it, yes. Yeah. Never worry about the next one. And we had to protect each other. I know. But like I said, I said from the start, it was a, a personal thing. Everyone had the thing to just mind yourself. And tell me, did you get to go anywhere, get any break over the last two and a, two and a bit years? Oh, no, 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 no. I still haven't. <laughs> so you'll retire out of there, will you? 
Hopefully, if I make it that long. That's why, Hopefully. wouldn't you? <laughs> With the good Kerry air in you. Yeah. <laughs> The fresh air from the skellies. There you got it. Well, listen, I just wanted to catch up with you. We're trying to get as many calls and stories on as we can, and I thought that was a particularly lovely one, for, lovely one from Harry. Who knows? Oh, you might God, win. God. You might win a little prize for yourself. You never know. Oh, I'd love it. Love it. I'd love it. Take them all away, and Harry as well down to Trebogan. Yeah, just to see, just to see them and spend time with them. Two years of a catch up. Ah, uh, listen, it's a lovely story. Thanks so much for taking the call, Angela. Thanks very much. Cheers for now. Take care. Another couple of texts for you. I'd like to nominate my brother, Brian O'Callaghan. He's a truck driver. Truck drivers are often the unforgotten frontline workers who keep the shelves stocked, keeping PPE delivered to hospitals and nursing homes. When people were told to stay at home, these drivers were delivering to places where COVID was active. They worked in some very tough conditions, as a lot of motorway services had their toilets and shower facilities closed to drivers. Restaurants and delis closed, so a sandwich or a hot meal was not available for long drives during COVID, but they continued to work. I'd be delighted if he'd be considered. And I know if he was chosen, he would have three very excited little people at home. That's the brother, Brian O'Callaghan, and Claire O'Callaghan got in touch. And a quick one here. I'm putting my daughter's name forward for one of your toboggan breaks for a healthcare worker, as she deserves it so much. She's Megan Hennessy, who was only 18 when COVID hit. She first worked in care choice nursing homes with elderly residents and was on the COVID team minding and sitting with elderly, sometimes while they took their last breaths with no family to comfort her, only only her by their side. And she was the family's only form of communication through her phone using FaceTime so that they could see their loved ones live. How she was strong enough to do this is beyond me, as I personally couldn't do it, as I found it heartbreaking And I know deep down it affected her as well. She did this for two years. No complaints. It was like a vocation in life. Well, she recently moved to COH where she's now in the ICU COVID ward. So for this, I truly think she deserves a break and acknowledgement for her hard work and love to all who she worked in these awful times with when she was so young. I'm truly proud of my daughter. And that's from Yvonne telling us about her daughter, Megan Hennessy. And you are right. You know, an 18-year-old who's very young, clearly trained up to work in nursing homes, but still, as an 18-year-old, to be holding the hand of a loved one who's no family around while they take their last breath. It's difficult for any of us to comprehend or to process, but for an 18-year-old, it's a big challenge. You know what I think? I just honestly believe, you know, if I had 100 or 150 of these uh, weekend breaks, I couldn't have enough of them. I only have a few to give away, incidentally. Trebogan, in total, have something like 100 and uh, I think it's something like 130 to give away in total. So if you don't win them with me, you can win them through Trebogan online. Anyway, back after the break, more stories and calls. Tell Natalie, hold on, back in a second. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And back to the phone lines we go. Natalie, good morning. Morning. You think that you couldn't think of anyone more deserving of a toboggan break than your mum. Why is that? Uh, when me and my mum worked in the CUH as a cleaner down the neonatal. Both of you, did it, you say? No, no, just my mum. Okay, um, okay. And I just think she's amazing. Like the work that they do up there, you know, all the team up there, anyway, they do work as a team, the nurses, the doctors, everyone gets on so great from the stories I heard that my mum says. But like through the two years I seen my mum going so early and come out late and she always came out with like such positive stories. She just kept up that positivity in there and kept people going. 
So I just, I think she's amazing. And I couldn't imagine anyone more deserving than my mum. I know. I mean, it was such a difficult time. Um, in, and neonatal is an extra special place because you have the Premier babies there as well. And like... I imagine that many, many people would want to come in and see the little babies and couldn't visit. Yeah, I like there was stories she told me that she was sitting there at mothers, you know, just like, you know, trying to help them through it. And it's very sad to watch, you know, to see all that. But um, not only was my mum doing that in, but through it, they wasn't allowed down to the canteen and stuff. And I seen my dad, like, make lasagnas and pass them up inside there, so keep up all their strength. And, well, tell me about what like, your dad did. He, he would make the lasagnas at home, is it? He'd make them at home and he'd drop them up in at lunchtime so that they'd, be, they'd still be warm and everything. And, uh, like, I often went in there the night before and I'd be like, woohoo, we're having sausages, like, at this hour. And he'd be like, no, get away from them, they're for the girls and your mum's work in the morning. <laughs> Big flatters. So were some of, the, some of the catering facilities were off limits to certain staff? Yeah, because I suppose the sick babies, they just couldn't mix, all the staff couldn't mix, you know, with the rest of the hospital and stuff. Yeah, so, I know, I know, yeah. I know. She must have been exhausted, though, because the shift wasn't, like, an eight to four probably wasn't eight to four. No, it was definitely coming, going in earlier and coming out late. But like that, my mum is just such a positive person. You wouldn't hear her complain about it. She'd come home and like it could be six o'clock in the evening. And she's like, oh, you want to go and cut the grass now? And she'd come in and she'd tell a story about her work colleagues and, you know, and that, like how positive everyone is inside there, you know. I know. So throughout all that, with everyone giving out in sadness, it was great to hear all that positive. And has she been in hygiene things. and cleaning all her life in hospitals? She has, yeah, yeah. She's been there now for, Jeannie, I don't want to do it wrong, but I think 10 years. She's been working in a neonatal down there cleaning. And before that? Before that, she was a fantastic stay-at-home mother. And my dad was working. Yeah, yeah. She stayed at home until you were rare, does it? Uh, Yeah, till the youngest was about... 15 and then she went back to work. Yeah. It also said in your text that she went above and beyond to make sure every nurse and doctor that had to stay were comfortable. Tell me about that. So I remember my mum coming home one day and she was telling me that she had little chocolates on them. So she was having the, sorry, the doctor's bed dress and a little chocolate on it. Herself and her friend Teresa inside work. They'd be very funny. She'd be telling me all the stories. She had chocolates on the doc. And then when she's passing, she can see the rest. She'd say, there's a spray on your bed now for you. And they'd be laughing at her. Because the doctors, and I imagine nurses as well, had to grab 40 winks whenever they could. Yeah. In the so, hospital, so they had, I, I don't know, uh, I imagine their facilities was, the accommodation was fairly sparse, was it? Yeah, well, the offices and stuff, I'm guessing, would be turned into bedrooms I and know, things like yeah, that. We but, forgot you know, about all of that, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So, but like, they've done some fantastic work. Like, I could nominate about a thousand people I know that worked through it. But I just think my mum, like every other grandparent, I suppose, missed out on so much time with her grandson that I know they would love a breakaway like that. And just before the COVID, I bought them a holiday and they couldn't go on it. So go away. Where did you get the away. holiday for them? Two Christmases ago, I surprised them with a holiday to Lanzarote. So, um, but they were delighted they couldn't wait. And then the COVID hit, they were like, no. So You get a refund or will they go at it later? They could go this summer, surely, could they? Well, they got a refund and we said, look, we'll put it away and you can go on another holiday. But there's so much happening now. This year, my brother actually met someone through the COVID and there's a wedding coming up so we all have to go up to Wicklow for that so they won't be getting away this year at all. Natalie, you're a great storyteller, you know that. I'd say you could be here in half an hour's time giving me more strings to your stories.
I talk till the cows come home, alright. <laughs> so, uh, so what's your mum's name? Catherine Kelleher. Catherine, and you're, are you the only daughter? Or do you have? A, you clearly have a brother if he's getting married. Who else in the family? So there's myself, and I have a younger brother and an older brother. And, and the older brother actually lives in Wicklow, so it'd be great then if we wanted he could come down as well with his new fiance. I love it. Have you any grandkids then for your mum? Uh, just Matthew, the small fella. So it would be Catherine, the children, and the grandchild. Yeah. And what about your poor old dad, the sausage and lasagna maker? Oh, my dad be there, all right. We'll have to get him to come down as well to do all the cooking. Is he handy? He's served that other way. Oh, he's brilliant. He's like a chef. Did he do that every day? No, not every day, but every now and again. When he could see the spirits were going down a bit, he'd always kind of come up with something. Was it always a lasagna? Would he turn his hands to a stew or a shepherd's pie? Well, for going up to hospital, it was always the lasagna because they could sanitise all the outside of it, then the thing going in, you know, just all safe. He'd be thinking all safety kind of thing. So, <laughs> What's your test well, name? His lasagna is famous, it is. <laughs> it's the only thing he can Keller. make, is it? The what, sorry? Is it the only thing he can make? Oh, no, Jesus, he could make anything now for you, but the lasagna is famous, it is. He's a secret recipe no one will know. <laughs> What's his name? Christopher Kelleher. People saying, oh, God almighty, you know the Chris Kelleher's lasagna's coming out. I'm sick to death of lasagna. Yeah, Can't there'll demand. be orders coming in now for the lasagna, there will be. <laughs> I'm expecting a lasagna out here, piping hot some, some afternoon. <laughs> I'd say now he'll have it up, Chan, all by t- this evening. I know, I'm only joking. I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> ah, listen, that's a great story. I'm going to give you the prize for today. I don't, oh, know, whether, I don't know whether I'm giving it for your mother or your father. Are you? But the whole bunch of you will be heading oh, down there. Fantastic! We're all going anyway. That's ah, great. That for you too. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've free three nights self catering weekend break. You need to get all of the tribe together for the weekend of the first of April. Can you do that? I can, of course. If I have to go around collecting myself, I will. And there's all sorts of great activities. Try and get another couple of kids, will you? Because there's great children activity there. What's your what's, ah, the, what's the grandchild's name? Matthew. Well, try and round up another few buddies for Matthew, will you? I will, of course. And ah, that's fantastic. And one, of the great thing, one of the great things about this for your dad, Christopher, is that it's self-catering. So he'll get an opportunity to make a lasagna as well. Oh, that's fantastic. He'll be delighted. We'll have to throw the barbecue in the boot and all so he can do the barbecue oh, I'm down expecting there. some great videos and photographs of your weekend down there, Natalie Keller. Oh, that's brilliant. I'm delighted I am. Thank you so much. Where are you all from? Um, this Greenmount Douglas. I'm like Greenmount Douglas. Greenmount <laughs> Douglas over, Cork. We're all over the place. We are. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely chatting with you on this Monday morning, Natalie. Stay on hold, all right. Thank you so much. Take care, take care. Listen, I'm going to get through as many as I can across the week. I'm trying to twist Trebulgan's arm. They might give me more than five if I'm nice. Sarah. Hello, how are you? I'm well. You're in tomorrow's draw, if you don't mind now, okay? You're in tomorrow's no draw. But tell me the story anyway about Laura. Um, so, well, Laura, myself and Laura started um, nursing together, our, our course, our student nursing, um, Laura Hennessy. And um, oh, she's fab. She's a healthcare assistant and um, a support worker and student nurse. Um, now, she's deferred for the year, but... Um, She's just fabulous. I think she'd be really deserving for, you know, she's a single mum. She juggles, you know, full-time work. 
Um, and she just, uh, she's fabulous. She just brings joy to everyone, you know, like 100% in work, like all her service users and patients, they're always... Are you both nursing in the same place? Um, well, I'm a student nurse and um, Laura has deferred that for the year, but um, she's a student nurse as well. Where's that? Where are you? Um, I uh, Well, my parent hospital is CUH, but like we have... Um, we have, you know, we have to do a certain amount of weeks in different areas, but so oh, we might be out in the community yeah. or... You're moving around because you have to learn the yeah. experience of every aspect of the job, don't you? That's it, yeah, yeah. yeah. What part it. of it do you guys enjoy? Do you enjoy the hospital setting most or what? Um, I I think I can speak for Laura when, yeah, she, like Laura would definitely be, you know, being with the patients. And I think for me, myself, yeah, being out in placement and just, you know giving all the care that you can. And I believe that both yourself and Laura are single mums, is that right? Yeah, that's true. That's That makes it additionally tough over the COVID period. Uh, it does, yeah. I remember um, I had an exam online, you know, an essay exam, and it was timed, and I, I had the two kids at the same time and geez, uh, they just don't you know because they're small they don't understand so I said okay you get all the snacks gave them all the snacks and all the things to bribe them to stay in the sitting room you bait, and you bait the sugar in into them you did <laughs> no yeah but it didn't it didn't help so you're <laughs> trying to do an exam on the exam. clock you're trying to do an exam on the clock with what is it two smallies is it yeah, they, well, they're they're eight and ten. You okay. think they'd know better, but they don't. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pass the exam? I did. Thank God. <laughs> I suppose, look, it's um, a learning experience for the pressure of being a nurse, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, it's a pressurised job added to the fact that you're rearing two children single-handedly. And the same with with Laura. I'm going to put you into tomorrow's bunch of stories to see how we get on with them, you know? That's fabulous. Thank you so much. I'm just mad keen to hear of the stories that people went to and the lengths over the past couple of years because there's a lot of heroes out there that we haven't heard of. And and clearly a lot of them, like you, are are in health healthcare and frontline in hospitals but not all of them obviously you know there's many many no, others. No and like I've often said like retail I, I can't imagine like you know when we're going in <clears throat> to COVID wards we have our PPE you know we have our um, infection control you, you know and there's so many people behind that were behind counters that didn't know who was coming in and uh, absolutely I look obviously anyone working throughout the pandemic deserves a nice break you know that's what we're trying to do, trying to share those stories and give them as many as we can. Listen, lovely chat and Sarah, I'm going to pick it up in the morning, all right? But regards to you, Thank you and so to much. Laura, okay? Thank you. Take, Take care. care. If you want to be part of the conversation, email neil at redfm.ie. Text your nomination to 0868104106. Three night self-catering weekend breaks. It's the weekend of the 1st of April for anybody working frontline and their families. The more, the merrier. Self-catering with all of the toboggan atta- um, attractions at your fingertips, laid out before you on the 140-acre park. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.